Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Allen. I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how you man, doing today, man? I am doing fantastic. Okay, so it's a landmark episode. Woo. For those of y'all that are great with numbers and have been counting and listening along, this is 150. Yes. We have made it to 150. 150. So if you look up celebrating 150 just in Google. Uh-huh, Okay. Celebrating 150 years of the University of Maine. It's the oh, first thing that pops up. Okay. 150 years of the Mitsubishi, which would be Lancer Outlander, random. Okay. 150 original Pokemon is the <laughs> other thing. Uh, so I'm going to tie my Stump the Genius into 150. Okay. But let's talk about, we'll save that for post, who we in, who we say we're talking about. Okay. So uh, this is an episode for us. Yes. This is our, uh, we are King's X fans. Yes. So Rob... Play a little sample of it, I oh, guess. Gosh. Just pick anything. Okay. And uh, we're going to do, while he's pulling that up, um, last season um, we did something for the Van Halen um, pass, for Eddie Van Halen's passing, where we made this game of the ultimate playlist discography. And we had so much fun doing that. And a lot of our listeners, like, that was so cool. Um, so me and Rob talked actually yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, we've got 150 coming up. To, we're recording it tomorrow. Um, what if we did something like that yeah. for this band? That's we right. had the interview. We did the interview. Um, so hang around to the end. You'll get to hear an interview yeah, with, with, Doug, with Doug of Come King's on. X. Come on. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what if we just threw together our ultimate playlist and it's going to be probably different? Yeah. Um, so hang along. Enjoy the ride. So our original plan was to do their song called Over My Head from the album Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. So I'm going to play a little bit of it, a little bit of that just so you can hear Get a feel for what you're getting Where into we're going. today. Because some of you may not know King's X. Some of you may have heard us talk about it, but not really know their music. Um, but today's one of those days where we don't care if you know them or not. <laughs> we don't care if you like them or not. These landmark episodes belong these to us. These are for us. These are, our, these are our fun ones. So we decided to just go ahead and do the whole thing and compile our ultimate King's X playlist. Let's start with a little clip from Over My Head from the album Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. This is King's X. Is King's X. That is over my head. One of many great tracks you're going to hear snippets of today. Uh, and make sure when you, if you like what you hear, uh, we're going to put this up on Spotify and Apple Music, our ultimate King's X playlist, uh, and we'll make it public so that you can enjoy these songs in their fullness, uh, where we'll just be able to, you know, give you clips and such here. We're so excited to talk to Doug. That was the voice that you heard, and the man with the meanest bass tone. Absolutely. You will ever hear. Playing it way too low. 
Yeah. Holding it down way too he, low. First of all, he's like eight feet tall. He's so tall. And then he plays this bass and he he plays it down at like his knees oh, or amazing. lower. It's his arms are super long and it's just this bowel shaking <laughs> bass tone. <laughs> You're right. Um that it's just gritty it's so and disgusting it, and wonderful. It's amazing. Um and uh, I'm gonna talk about it a little bit actually as we as we get in through the albums, the evolution of sort of uh, I feel like King's X sort of becoming themselves. And to hear a little of the ground rules, the way we do these, um, the way we did the Van Halen one. Um, so King's X has, we're going to use 13 of their albums. We're going to do 12 studio and one live album. We only picked one live album to do it. And we're going to pick, uh, we're each going to pick four songs off of an album that we like. Four, three, two, one is yeah. kind of the way it breaks down. So we so. can choose one album that we pick four songs from. One, one album we pick three. We pick from, three yeah, one we pick two. And then the rest then one we just the pick rest. one yeah. um, to, to compile the ultimate King's X playlist. That's right. So I'm always interested to see. Um, we differed, varied uh, uh, gra- uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even talk. The bowels are already rumbling. <laughs> we uh, we varied. We were completely different on Van Halen. That's right. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of variation on a lot yes, of variation on, Van, on our Van Halen picks, and uh, but somehow it's like you know JP and I musically. Are like Jack Spratt, you know the the the, the rhyme Jack Spratt can eat, can eat no, no fat, fat his, his wife, wife can, can eat, eat no lean, lean. Yeah. and so betwixt them both you see they lick, they lick the, platter the platter clean. So we'll get through right. everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so it's like uh, we complement each other in that way. So some of the stuff that I'm not as big on, JP will grab on, and that kind of stuff. So we'll lick the platter clean by the time this thing is right. over with, with with some delicious King's X. So um, a, a little backstory on King's X. Let's talk about kind of who they are. Um, first of all. They are like a a band's band, uh, musicians that you know and respect, especially in the area of hard rock. Uh, really Prague, look up to King's X. Pro- yes, um, musicians love these guys. They create these great like pop hooks and sort of Beatlesque harmonies, um, but with real legit inventive heavy music underneath. And these great rhythmic hits and like interplay between the band, Doug's nasty aggressive bass tone and incredible voice. Ty Tabor on on guitar, a monster player, and he plays like nobody else. He's got, you know, we talked about, uh, I kind of, I didn't rag on Slash, but I said the knock to me on Slash as a, as a legendary guitarist is I don't hear him play and immediately go, that's Slash. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have something that sets him apart. Ty has yeah. that. He's got a tone that is his, he's got a style that is his, um, and he definitely has got a riff set. His vocals... Singing style complements his guitar playing magnificently too, as well on yeah. his solo projects and such. Too. Yeah, and so that each of these bands, uh, I mean, each of the members of the band, they complement each other absolutely perfectly. Jerry Gaskill Jerry. on drums is a is a monster. Um, Doesn't look like a monster. He does not. No. If you look at that guy, you're like, there's no way he's going to rock as hard as he does. He looks like he should be Jacob Collier's dad. <laughs> does he That's not? Awesome. That's good. Right. That's okay. Good. Um, I so. Like that. So King's X uh, was number 83 on the VH1 100 Greatest Hard Rock Bands list, uh, in which the likes of Living Color and Deep Purple's Richie Blackmore sing the praises of the band on this show that they put together. Uh, it's a short spot. It's about a five-minute five, five minute clip or less uh, of these guys just talking about how much they love King's X and how influential they are. And Richie Blackmore, actually, uh, from Deep Purple, says that at some point they reached out to Doug Pinnock and offered him the lead vocal spot in Deep Purple. Goodness and gracious. he said no. 
he said, we've got our own thing, you know, we're, we're doing our own thing. But he, but he uh, dug it so much that he wanted to bring him into Deep Purple. Um, One of uh, Rex Brown and of Pantera and Dimebag Daryl's favorite bands, too. Yeah. So, like, musicians, musicians. Yes. Love all, your, all your metal heroes go, you know, uh, and hard rock heroes go... I can't believe these guys aren't the biggest band in the world. That's a good way to put That's, it. It was one of those deals where, like, they were a, you know, in the baseball in the baseball world, they were a five-tool prospect, yeah. you know? Um, and one of these guys that, that coming out of college or even coming out of high school, people expected to be the next Mike Trout, the next Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, whatever. And then for some reason... Just on a mainstream level, it never fully clicked. They're like, Pokey Reese is going to be the next Barry Larkin, yeah. but they put him at second base. You yeah. know, it's like they just never quite got there. Yeah. So, um, like, for example, okay, uh, Jeff Ament, Pearl Jam yeah, founder, go. bassist, says, King's X invented grunge. Wow. I, I mean, for the guy from Pearl Jam yeah. to go, King's X, in, they started that's, this. That's right. You there's know, all you need The to know movement about. that rocked. The 90s and turned rock and roll on its head. He says King's X invented it. That's good. Um, I wrote this down in my notes. Jerry Gaskill, the drummer, plays with so much intensity. He plays with his whole body. He plays with your whole body. <laughs> he plays with the souls of everyone in the room. He plays with this really weird blend of efficiency and wasted energy. That's good. It's like his whole self is is all in every note. I'm tired just watching him. Yeah. Like I'm sweating. He, he so he between snare hits, he throws his hand all the way down at his side if it's a if it's a slow enough song. He throws his hand in his side and wastes all this movement. His whole his shoulders and everything is just jittering around, but then you watch him with his like right hand when he's playing the ride cymbal and it hardly moves mm-hmm. in between beats. It's yeah. like just it moves 2 inches away and then jerks to the cymbal and jerks back. It's this really strange blend of wasted energy and efficiency. Um, and that's in general what I go for in my life. I think, <laughs> I think my, my lifestyle could be, could be, my lifestyle could be described as a really weird blend of efficiency and, and wasted, wasted energy. energy. That's like, awesome. How could somebody that's so obsessed with efficiency be so wasteful with their life? <laughs> I think that you could, that's you funny. could argue is me in a nutshell in certain ways. Um, their first album, King's X first album, uh, Louder Sound Magazine, by the way, calls them the greatest ever cult band. Okay. I think that's about perfect, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they have this following that would do anything for them. Absolutely. Um, but a large number of mainstream listeners don't know who they are. There'll be people that will listen to this podcast and yep. this episode that won't listen to anything else just because it says King's X on it. So true. They'll open. So thank you all that have joined. We that's appreciate right. you. This yeah. is going to be different than anything. you. If you like it, great. Check out the others. Yeah. If you don't, Great. Check out the others because this is different. Um, so, yeah, yeah exactly. there'll be people that will only listen to this. Yeah, but, uh, because yeah. they're just rabid. They'll, they'll devour yep. anything with the King's Next name on it. Uh, their first album, Out of the Silent Planet, uh, was voted the Kerrang! Album of the Year in 1988. Now, for you U.S. listeners, Kerrang! might not be a big deal, uh, but, but Kerrang! in the U.K. is a long-standing music uh, you know, hard music magazine. Uh, it's, you know, sort of a, you know, you don't want to call it a Rolling Stone equivalent. You want to, don't want to do that, but it's its own thing, but it's a big deal, right, in the UK. Um, and it was the al- album of the year in 1988. Their second album, uh, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska, was the number three album in 1989. And we're, we're going to talk on them. Don't worry. We're going to hit, we're going to give you samples. Yeah, they're this, they're this rare band that like, um, you know, uh, musicians 
revere, critics love, but for whatever reason, but, the mainstream top level success just never came. Mm-hmm. You know, they were on MTV a bunch. They had videos in rotation. It's just the the the. Christian music fans thought they were one of them even. That's right. So early on, you know, a lot of people thought that they were a a Christian band. And this, honestly, King's X is the first band. I think we've maybe talked about this before. But King's X is the first band that somebody told me, they're not a Christian band, but they're a band of Christians. Mm -hmm. You ever get that? Like people will say, that's what, that's, by the way, that's how Christians will say they like they want you to listen to something, but they they want it to still be cool. Uh-huh. They'll go. It's not a Christian band. They're a band of Christians, yeah. you know. Um, and I think King's X is the first band that I that I w- was presented to me that way. Um, but it, because they did do a lot of playing early on, they were a band sort of before they were a band. Uh, they yeah. they played with Phil Keggy, one of your favorites. Yeah, with um, Petra and Phil Keggy, Petra. they played with them. Yeah, they were the backing band for Keggy. And we talked to Doug about this. Like, yeah. Keggy's my, he's on my Mount Rushmore of humans, like, yeah. not just musicians. <laughs> like, I love that guy. Um, and yeah, they were his band for yeah. a while on the flip side tour, which is money. Anyway, go ahead. And if you if you remember Morgan Cryer, anybody remember Pray in the USA? There we go. Ty Tabor wrote that song. Not the Miley Cyrus song. No, Party no, in the not USA. Party in the USA. But uh, Pray You Against the Pray in the... So they definitely had a background in Christian music, and they had a background of Christian faith, mm-hmm. but they were not a... A trying to be a Christian band. They've I've seen interviews with them where they all talked about sort of... Um, being uh, basically repelled by the Christian music industry, that they were, that they saw things behind the scenes that sort of made them gag, and they were like, "We don't want any, you know, any part of that." Um, Jerry said, um, "I think it's important that we not even say that there is a Christian world and a secular world. There is a world. That's good. Man created the secular world <laughs> and the Christian world. At- God created the world. He created us. When you look at them, that's a perfect and like where they're trying to go. Like yeah. that's said well to." To sum up what the band's doing. Yes. Uh, Ty Tabor said, uh, we were Christians in that we were trying to be the real deal, the kind of people that tries to help others out, that tries to be an example of goodness. Um, But as far as the whole Christian rock industry went, I was just disturbed by the whole thing. It was all about packaging and selling a gimmick. There was an immense amount of BS and propaganda involved that had nothing to do with religion or belief. I told Jerry and Ty... Uh, this is uh, Doug Pinnock now talking. I got a quote from all of them. I told Jerry and Ty I wanted to put a band together with him, but I didn't want to be a Christian band. I didn't want to play Christian churches. I didn't even want to be associated with it because the C word was the kiss of death in the eighties. Christian bands were just deemed a joke. Um, and then so even from so that's where they started, and even from there, there's been sort of further um, you know evolution and change in in the you know their belief systems and and the things that they represent and are passionate about. Um, but the one that the thing that they never changed was that their music is just oh, it's wonderful, insanely good and enjoyable. Um, and there's all kinds of articles out there on why they never made it big. And and Doug Doug, um, you we know, asked him about it a little bit on yeah. there. I don't know if it'll make this portion of because the, the interview is pretty lengthy. Yeah, so lengthy. we won't have everything on here. That's um, right. Rob will we'll include on. the we'll include the, the the full interview in our Patreon episode. Um, because, uh, uh, we, you know, we told everybody we'd put the complete interviews there, but we'll give you the very best in this, in this interview. And then if, if you're a completist, you can go to patreon.com slash great song pod. Uh, and if you want to support us there, we can say thank you by giving you the, the, the full blown episode, uh, the full blown, uh, interview and some other things. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, even, you know, even down to the fact that, you know, at the time, um, having, having a black lead singer, 
was maybe not something that was as readily accepted in the hard music world. You know what I mean? I know Doug has said that he, he thinks that may even uh, play into it. So who knows? It's one of those things that just, but we love them. We, so. we love them. And, and you can talk all day about the reasons why they should have been the biggest band in the world. We would rather just say, this Here, music is awesome. Up. We love them. And here's why you should. And I'm Jones to jump in. I want to play stump the genius real quick. And okay. then you have something you want to hit on before we jump in. I got one other thing because it's going to be, it's going to be weaving in and out of the music. Okay. Do you want to do it now? Or do you want to do it between? Yeah, genius. let's go ahead and do stump the genius. Okay. Let's play stump the genius. All right. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right, we're going to play Stump the Genius. Uh, one of our we started this at the Rupert Holmes episode about a year ago or a season ago. Yeah. Um. So on we go. Here we go. One fifty. So I was thinking about things to tie into the one fifty. Um. And we're in our hundred fiftieth episode. I can't believe that. So we're going to play. Do you think this classic TV show? Had more than oh. 150 oh, episodes great. or less than 150 okay. episodes. All I'm right. going to give you five, and we'll see how we do. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to – I think – You think yeah. you're going to ace it? I think – I don't know if ace it, but I think I'm going to do well. All right. Flintstones, more or less than 150? Original Flintstones. Original Flintstones. I think less. Brr, more. Wow. 166. Okay. So 0 for 1. All right. Fair enough. Jetsons, more or less? Less. Less. Okay. 75. Nice job, Rob, on that. Matlock, more or less? I think Matlock probably had 500 episodes. So you're going more. 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 Yeah. 195, just barely, okay. but beat it. Matlock. Gilligan's Island. Less. Less. Rob is in the zone. 98. Final, Dragnet. Ooh. Dragnet. Man, it's so iconic. I feel like it ran for a long time. I but was it like mm, I don't know. This is a coin flip for me. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say less. It's more. Darn. And then I'm gonna tell you 276 episodes of Dragon. What in the world? So and then I'm gonna tie this back in. Wow. So the answers are more, less, more, less, more, less, more. And that's how I feel like people listen to King's X is they're like, oh, give me more. And it's like, whoa, too much, but wonderful. Bring it down just a bit and then more. But for us, it's more, more, more. So, uh, yeah, more, less, more, less, more. There we go. So Flintstones, Jetsons, Matlock, Gilligan's Island, Dragnet. Great song podcast, 150. (laughs) Okay, I want to make note of one thing that you're going to hear as we listen to a lot of these songs. Um, and that is the idea and the concept of drop D tuning. Okay, we we um, talked to Doug about this a little bit, but I want to kind of set it up and so that you can be listening. Okay, drop D tuning, standard tuning on the guitar uh, is what you would call E standard tuning, and it's your high string is an E, and then it goes down. Um, and your low string is an E, two octaves below that, okay? E, A, D, G, B, E. There you go. There you go, yeah. Um, or or high to low, it's E, B, G, D, A, E, okay? And what happens is if you tune that low string down to a D, then your last three strings are D, A, D, and it makes a, basically what we would call a D power chord, okay, that has no third in it. It's not major or minor. They just call it a power chord. It's a root fifth root. Um, and drop D tuning had been done before, but in its modern usage, um, 
Not really. Okay. So you, if you listen to like Harvest Moon, uh, by Neil Young and a lot of early blues and, and even, uh, you know, some other classical stylings would be in like an open D tuning where if you just strummed the guitar, it would make a D chord, but the regular strings aren't set up that way. And it's different um, than dad gad. It's different than dad gad, which is a, it's an, another alternate tuning. Um, but, uh, stuff like, uh, even like she's so heavy by the Beatles is in drop D tuning, but it's not done where, um, you're moving chords around. It's just done where there was a low note at the end. They go, bum, 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 you know, that kind of thing. It's not done where that power chord is really brought into play. Uh, Led Zeppelin's Moby Dick. Um, it really, it's a blues riff on an instrumental. That's really an intro and outro to a drum solo. That song is really a drum solo. I don't even really see why it needed to be in drop D it is, but it doesn't make use of the drop D tuning at all. Um, one big example, uh, is, is, uh, Van Halen's unchained. Okay. Um, and it's, although it's not exactly the modern usage, but you hear the impact of it going forward. Um, I was listening to a very cool podcast. We got turned on to recently by a new friend of the show named Jason Shadrick from premier guitar magazine, who, um, produces a show called running with the dweezil in which dweezil Zappa, of course, an incredible guitarist and musician and son of famed musical genius slash madman, Frank Zappa. Um, he sits down with genre defining guitarists to discuss the greatness of Eddie Van Halen. Um, and it started coming out. It wasn't, it wasn't intended to be a sort of retrospective on Eddie after his passing, but that's just sort of how it played out because of the timing. Of it. Um, but Nuno Betancourt from extreme, uh, was talking to Dweezil about the first time he heard unchained and the impact it had, like it was the thing that opened his eyes to this sort of dark, heavy thing that you could get into. Um, and it's, and it's actually in drop D flat because they were tuned down a half a step and then the bottom string is tuned down a whole step. So it's even got that extra edge of being a step and a half below standard tuning, which is really kind of raunchy. Um, so as the modern usage of drop D goes, the debate rages about who it's, uh, who it's inventor, uh, in, predecessor. In, inventor. Yeah. It, for the modern usage of moving these chords around with that power chord is King's X Soundgarden, and the Melvins all kind of emerge around the same time. Um, and so you get a, you get a lively debate about who is the father of, of the modern usage of drop detuning. And so we're going to talk to Doug about that topic and get the straight story. And Hang around to the end. You guys are going to love getting to meet this guy. That's right. We're going to settle it once and for all. But I want you to hear it in these songs because, uh, you know, some of these uh, start in the 80s and you have, it's kind of an 80s sound that I feel like, uh, well, we'll talk about it. We'll get there. But you're hearing this early drop D stuff that you're not used to hearing kind of in this context so and you're about to get a lot of music so buckle in Here without further ado a long intro about what you're to get but it's we present it's our episode 150 that's right the king's x ultimate playlist all Let's. right out of the silent planet number one i'm gonna go first i'm gonna go first on okay. some of these all right. um, i'm going goldilocks uh guitar intro maybe the most beautiful king's x song mm. uh melodies not escape these guys freaking love that song the high note on the solo the very first, the high note of the guitar. So anyway, play Goldilocks. You can even just play the guitar intro if you Here want Here is Goldilocks. It, even that just sounds like Ty. Yep. I don't know why, but it just does. <laughs> uh, 
Raise your hands with me. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's amazing. Let me get to the chorus, okay? okay. I'm going to skip to the chorus. I made it through another year, even if alone. But there's no oh, man. Oh, oh, yes. Oh. You're welcome, world. Still full of surprise. I'm not looking for a stand. Listen, this pre-chorus is everything. Here come on the chorus. The harmonies make this chorus pop off the page. gosh. All right, I'll let that play a little longer because that's my pick, too. Okay. My oh, pick is Golden man, Rock. look at that. An agreement <laughs> yeah. out the door. Uh, okay, Outside of Planet, great album, but pick it up. Yeah. Okay, good. Named good. after a C.S. Lewis novel. Yeah, There's, correct. C.S. Lewis has a... So C.S. Lewis is a famed uh, Christian author and apologist, mm-hmm. and but he has a series of sci-fi novels, a trilogy of sci-fi novels, and it's called the... Uh, um, uh, what's it called? The I don't know. It's Paralandra, Out of the Silent Planet, and... Something else. Anyway, this is named after one of those novels. Uh, number two. Number two, second Gretchen album. Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. Neat that the song Out of the Silent Planet yeah. is on here. Yeah. Um, not on Out of the Silent Planet, but that's not the one I'm choosing. Concept album. I mean, bir- biblical spiritual lyrics throughout. Mission about the TV preacher, televangelist. But not the one I'm choosing. I'm going okay. the one we played at the beginning, uh, Over My Head. Over I gotta My play Head. It. So since we've already played the first in the beginning, go to the guitar solo okay. if you can, just because I want to hear the guitar solo. All right, here and we it's, go. And it's, it's us. This is good. Oh. Right here. Oh. Great start to a solo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Grandma used to say, "Man, ah, jeez, just going oh, bananas." Man, wonderful. Over my head's my pick. Um, could have gone Summerland, but I anyway got some other stuff. But I needed to save mine. All right, I'm gonna go with Mission. You mentioned okay, it. Okay, Mission. I'm gonna go okay, with good. Mission. Yeah, cool story. So uh, here we go. This is this is Mission. Check it out. It's basically about fake televangelists. Bilking people out of money. This is all it is. It's just an or- <laughs> it's an organ solo. Rob's favorite. It's an organ piece. <laughs> What's the uh, Bruce song about the televangelist? Preacher in the ring. Preacher in the ring. Yeah. yeah. 
I always think of the Phil Collins song, the Jesus He Knows Me Every Time I... Yeah. Well, it's getting a little dissonant. Something's wrong. Something's wrong in the church. Skip ahead to the chorus. A broken body. What's the mission? Nailed that. There we go. Good choice. Can't All be right. mad on that. That's mission. No, there's a, actually there's a great um, there's a great moment on one of their later albums where they they have a live track at the very end, and there's a guy in the audience who's just yelling his stupid brains out, <laughs> going mission, <laughs> mission, <laughs> and he yells it so much that they play the opening riff for just long enough for the drums to come in, and then they stop, and everybody goes oh, <laughs> and then they do whatever That's else great. thing they were gonna do. That's great. The guys uh, just go. I mean, it's so annoying, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Number Shut three, Faith, Hope, and Love. I got it looking here. Faith, um, hope, you know, love. it's probably the, the obvious pick. Um, I'm going It's Love. Um, okay. It's their highest charting single yeah. ever is It's Love. Okay. Um, if you know a King's X song, this is probably the one you know, maybe. Either this not, one or Over My Head. Or Over My yeah. Head. This is, this is probably if the one. If you're not like a King's X fan. If you're not X a King's fan. X fan. If you've like, I've heard a song, it might be this one. Yeah. Um, this is to me is like if Beatles met Prague, especially vocally. Sure. Here. Like this is like vocal Beatlesness going on. Here we go. Um, so play a little of that. Boys can sing. Yeah, that's so good, dude. Um, that's so that's yeah, that's about as close to a pop, you know, as a pop song as. But what as they're doing they underneath is like we're not going to make a pop song. Yeah, like, we're going to yeah. play a riff. And so and I talked earlier about. Doug's bass tone and how nasty it is. And the, the thing I don't like about these early albums is they're a little, for my taste, too polished mm-hmm. in the Sam Taylor era. Sure. Sam Taylor was their manager for a long time um, and and was very um, kind of hands-on in everything about their careers and their sound and everything. Well, hang and, along till you get to Dogman and yes. Brendan O'Brien's going to come in That's and just right. nasty it up. So. Yes. Um, and so, uh, and so I feel like you don't get the full feeling of what they really were. It's not that they weren't doing it, but I think the recordings betray a little bit of the edge that they, that they had. It's there. You can hear it, but you'll appreciate it more 
later. They're like button up the shirt on top of the tank top just a little bit. <laughs> Still <laughs> yeah. wearing a shirt, yeah. but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, so my uh, my track off Faith Hope Love is going to be Moan Jam. Okay, and I honestly I thought you might pick this. Yeah, I thought um, about it. Um, I know I wasn't. No offense to Jerry, but I wasn't going Six Broken Soldiers. Not okay. that I don't think it's. I don't think he sings bad. I just think his vocals are buried in the mix, and it's just uh-huh. not their best song. Okay. But that was the one that I knew I wasn't picking. Moan Jam was in the run running. So. Yeah. So this is this is the whole band just going for it. There's some lyrics in there, but they're really just an excuse to get to the playing. It's really just Ty going bananas. Yep. Uh, and at the end, I think we hear Doug at the height of his vocal range, yeah. just screaming uh-huh. and having a great time. Check this out. This is a little bit of Moan Jam. And this is about as close to like new wave punk as they get. Check out this riff, though. And then Ty just solos for like a long time. It's like a six-minute song. So. Yeah, yeah. Let me skip it's, to the end, too, so you can hear Doug just going... I love it. Anyway, just having a blast there. There's some actually some uh, prototype too for some very modern uh, like metal drumming mm-hmm. in oh, there. Yeah. That you know what I'm saying? That's that's very like now mm-hmm. in drumming, which he was on the he was on the cusp of there. Next album, right, on. just called King's X. Just the self-titled. Self-titled. The smart play on this is Black Flag, as it's a single, but. I'm going to pick two. This is my first uh, okay. double play. Okay. I'm going to pick two. The first track, uh, The World Around Me, is going to be my first one. Okay. Definitely. The World Around Me, opening track. Take a listen. Perfect example of drop D tuning. You hear those chords just moving as chords. You're starting to hear the modern King's X. that a little flat five in the melody no big deal okay all right what's, what's number, number two, for two you? uh we've played it on a game before so okay uh, oh you know where i'm going with it yeah. number four lost in germany really? love this riff yeah this is in my running for top few favorite King's X yeah. songs. i love this song such a great riff I like a guitar tone with it. Those rhythm oh, punches, so that's total King's X. Oh, 
Bringing in that oh, that chord change with the harmony on the pre-chorus. I love the way this melody goes up here. Lost in Germany. That's great. There we go. Lost in Germany. Uh, you know what? That was my pick, too. Okay. Lost well, in good. Germany. That's why we got to play it a little longer. Off the King's longer. X album. That's good. Yeah. Okay. good, good, good. Honorable mention to Black Flag. Yeah, Black Flag's the, uh, the single off Black that. Flag could have been on Dogman. Yeah, like. that's good. You know good. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's got that sort of edge to it. It could have been on Dogman. Okay, <laughs> which segues us into Dogman. Dogman. Which this is gonna, this may not make any sense. Uh, there's another album of theirs that's my favorite album. Okay, but this has my favorite songs. Okay, does that make any kind uh, of sure, sense? At absolutely. All? Surely I get you pick that. up what I'm saying. Yeah. and I'm gonna use my four okay. here. I'm, this is the, my first four. So I did my two, and you're gonna see the the progression of JP like right here. Okay, this is JP's King's X era. All right. So I'm going. Let's go title track, which okay. may be the best starting of an album opening ever. Yeah. Ever so good, so hang on to something, grab mm-hmm. onto something. You're about to get, and hit. now you're going to hear King's X at the height of their powers. And this is Brendan O'Brien, and this As is producer, Raw. Me yeah. and Rob have talked about how the the mix on this is sometimes can be a little irritating. Yeah, in the best of in ways. the mid range. Yeah. So, but this is wonderful. Here we go. So. Dang. Sesame Street lyrics with the rhyming. It's wonderful. <laughs> give me the moon or give me everywhere. Give me some power to spray up in the air. Up in the air. Let me take my thoughts away. To <laughs> Rob is imitating Jerry for the best of <laughs> our music. Uh, boy. Yeah. Son. Do yourself a favor and listen to the way he sings to be the dog man later on, and you will not be disappointed. Man. Wonderful. I mean, there's nothing on earth. That rocks more than that. That's true. There might be things that come up to that level. Uh-huh. No, there is nothing, nothing that ever outrocks that. that outrocks that. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna go next song. I'm right. going shoes. Okay, so on we go. All right, this is a brilliant song. I love the way they start this song. That's wonderful. It's so great. Who needs music underneath it? Just let us carry it. Yeah. So get ready. And I then love when it. the music kicks in. Oh man. There can be but better ways from yesterdays to me. Somewhere there are better days for better ways to be. Sunny days wow, I made a Sesame Street joke earlier and it said sunny days. Yeah, no true. Is it still a blessed thing to live and live some more? And I'm left with the truth. And I'm right hey. in my mind. Given some of the time. All right. So I could really, we could just play this album and I could listen and be happy. I'm going to jump ahead next to number nine. Going to go complain. Okay. 
Yeah. So much easier. Yeah. Uh, love this song. Check it out. Can't, can't beat that. You know, just listening to this stuff makes me go, how did y'all get so much right on this one album? Yeah, I know. You know, right? like, like y'all wrote all these perfect riffs and incredible songs in like 18 months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And actually got this down on That's wax. Good. Man. Yeah. Um, four. Number four, I'm going cigarettes because oh. the one time I've told the story before on the podcast, I cried when I saw Tate Moore play this live when we saw him with... Uh, Satch and Dream Theater. Just beautiful. So amazing. I don't care where you play it here. But I got an <laughs> intro, I guess. I'll start at the beginning, and then, the intro but then get into a little bit of some of the uh, other stuff. Yeah. It's just cigarettes. You just hear that instantly. That right go, there is like, top. is that Summerland? Is that like, it can, uh, yeah. it's that sound. It's everything. Yeah. It's panned hard left here. Mm-hmm. Singing through a megaphone or something's awesome. Hear a little of this solo here. And that doesn't quite do, I mean, oh, that yeah. doesn't. Live, live. It's, it was it's a extended. Different. different. It's just wonderful. Yeah, and it was just bare. You didn't have the extra rhythm track behind it. It was just the three of them. Yeah, uh, truly. You're talking about power trio. You know, uh, I, I bet. We, you know, we talked to Mark Farner about Grand Funk and their, you know, their level of like intensity live and just bigness of sound. I bet Kings X gives them a run for their money. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I bet that'd be a very loud double volume bill. off. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so there's my four. Okay. What's yours? All right, so I went with three on Dogman. Okay. Uh, two of them you went with. Okay. All right, so I went with Dogman. Okay. Um, I said, this is the opening track to the album that sees them fully realizing their potential in rock and roll, unfettered and unsanitized production-wise. Perfect. Okay. All right, and Complain okay. was also my one of mine. Um, 
And I, my third track is track six, Fool You. Fool you. Okay. It catches you by surprise. The beginning, you might not go, what's this? As I wondered, but listen to his bass. Punchy. So much. I shook a hand. He seemed to know so much more. This one I almost got here on the chorus alone. I, I love all of it. So but the, the chorus is one of the best things. I tried my best just to understand. Yeah. Then I followed to where I knew nothing a dynamic change yeah. from the beginning to where we are now. Yeah. That's so good. Y'all, this album is so good. Like, they end we, it with a Hendrix cover, Manic each, Depression. So. That's right, Manic Depression. Uh, from I think from Woodstock 94, right? For, that's where they did the, uh, or the so. Woodstock, oh. whatever the second Woodstock was. Um, seriously, every track on this is a banger. There's not a throwaway track on here. Um, I... Uh, Oh, gosh, I mean, pretend I wanted to put my, yes, pretend, pretend uh, black the sky. Mm-hmm. I really black wanted to. Good. It's got monster riffs. Black the sky is got um, this section at the end where they're where they all start going. Yeah. at the every like what every downbeat or every two downbeats, and it's not stupid. Yeah, that's right. That never happens. That's not possible. <laughs> but it's cool and it sounds like that's awesome. You know, I don't know if it sounds tough. But it's it works, uh-huh. and that's not supposed to happen. Right. That never happened. Uh, Next man. is my favorite. Golly. Okay, this is my favorite album. So okay. um, I told you my favorite songs were on Dogman, and yeah. that Logic may again escape some people. But Rob gets what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So this so, is my favorite album. This is ear I'm candy. going with Ear Candy okay. um, as my favorite album, and so I've got three left. So I'm going three here. Okay. Um, which was a toughie for me, but looking for love. I'm gonna start with that one. Okay. Which yeah. is also in my in my top tier of oh. favorite. This King's is the X- song that if we if we were go- weren't going to do over my head for this album uh, for this episode, mm-hmm. we were vacillating between that one and this one because this year is the twenty fifth anniversary yep. of this album. Yep. And uh, so we almost did looking for love. We, you and I have played this one together we in have. Like, bands and stuff. Um, this is actually one can- next month will be twenty five and twenty fifth year anniversary of Ear Candy. Oh. So there we go. Happy anniversary. Here we go. This is looking for love. This this song just kicks so much butt. It's awesome. Oh, in the right here. In yeah. the right. Dang. Listen to that bass. Good heavens. What have I, what am I not, what you see so 
Not in drop D. Nope, this one's an E or E flat. Yeah, that's so good. The use of the major third in the melody there is so good. It's it's got a lot of you know a lot of the minor, uh, but it's just you know power chord. But then uh, I'm stupid. I don't want to. Oh, the the setup with the minor third, and then. And then soaring up to the major third. Which is just, a G woo, to a G it's a, sharp. Yeah, G sharp if we're in E. If I don't know if we're in E or E okay, flat yeah. here, but yeah. Um, oh, goodness. Oh, good. Okay, uh, number two, sometime. Sticks, clicks. Okay. Stick, clicks, riff. Ah. Okay. Little, not not to be confused with Sometimes from the album. Uh, see, it's on one of their first two. They have a song called Sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is Sometime. Yep, Sometime. Um, I love this one. Take it out. Here's those stick clicks. Riff master. What even is that? Goodness gracious. That bass is just... And we talked to Doug about his tone. Dude, yes. Hamer. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I want to play, hang on, I want to play one other spot from this. Okay. The second, I don't know why, I love this so much. When they they come out of the chorus the second time to that little breakdown, the little thing he does on guitar, it's not, I don't know what about it. It's just a little wiener riff, but I love it. I just, I don't know. I just love that. We talked to Doug about his 12 string bass. Uh Uh, If you've listened to our Pearl Jam episode, we might have mentioned uh, the use of a 12 string bass and how that all works. We talked to Doug about that, about his pedal, his amps, and how he gets that just. I I mean, it's an unthinkable tone. To still have any kind of clarity at all is, you know what I mean? It's not just. And this is in the 90s, remember? So it's not like technology can help clean it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was beautiful. Uh, Number three, uh, Lies in the Sand, man. Got to do it. So slow, but I love it. Not to be confused with Lines in the Sand by Dream Theater Theater. featuring Doug on vocals. So which that song is, oh, that's on every list that I'm ever in. It's wonderful. I kind of want to play it too. But I know, right? uh, We're going the slowest of all songs that I think is on here. But so yeah. good. Lies I'm in the sand. so glad you picked this one because I wanted to. Okay. And I just, my numbers wouldn't allow. Okay. It. Okay. Here we go. Lies in the sand. I hear this song. This is a bad. The one lyric that I think of is just the way he sings Satanic Beast. <laughs> like I hear it every time that starts. Ty's got vocals on this one. Who says there is a light in the sky? Beginning with ear candy. You hear a lot more of Ty's vocals. I like lead. to hear him sing. Yeah. A lot more Ty songs starting with ear candy. Pick up Moonflower, those of you guys. Yeah, out there. Moonflower Lane. 
Ty's solo first, well, Ty's solo project called Moonflower Lane. Incredible. Anyway, that's, yeah, lies in the sand. Should we do the chorus? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Here comes the chorus. So good. Little Ebo action. Oh, beautiful. It's just great. A pick up ear candy too, guys. That's that's my favorite. Pick up ear candy. If you're gonna pick up a King's X album to be introduced to, do you think that's a good one to start with? I think probably Dogman Dog Man. is the quintessential King's okay. X album okay. for most people. But uh yeah, you can't go wrong with ear candy. The the weird thing about ear candy is it actually starts with an acoustic track. Yep. Right? I mean, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, it, no, it doesn't. In their I was thinking A-box, of A box, but yeah. it's later. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, but it starts with something that is a little different from them. It's in three, four time, the train, the train. And it's just, it's a little different. So it doesn't fully grab you the way that Dogman might, you know? Um, and it's got a lot more acoustic stuff on it. Um, yeah. we, we mentioned Ty's solo stuff, but all these guys, uh, or particular uh, Ty and Doug, have tons of solo projects. Oh, yeah. And they're all good. Uh, Doug has got like, 50 million side projects, either solo or pound hound or, 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 uh, KXM, you know, all these, all these things. And we talked to him about that stuff. Ty has a bunch of solo projects, a bunch of side projects. He has one of my all time favorite prog projects, which would be, uh, with his band platypus. I say his band, his si- side band platypus. They had two albums as platypus. And then they lost the, um, lost their keys player and became the jelly jam and did two, three albums as the jelly jam. But their second album as platypus is called ice cycles. Um, and it is one of my absolute favorite prog, uh, albums by any band ever. It is so good. Their first album was called when puss comes to shove, which I think is funny just because their name is platypus. Anyway, it's funny. Uh, you got your picks on here, or did we use any of them? I do. I have one. Okay. Is that all for you? You That's had. It. I had three. You I had went three. Okay. looking for love. Oh yeah. Uh, sometime lies in the sand. Okay. Wow. There's so much good stuff on this dude. Mississippi Moon, sixty-seven. Oh man. Uh, okay. I went. I, you're not. You're not gonna believe. I'm serious. I went with American Cheese. Jerry's Piano. Jerry's what? Yes. No way. This is the weirdest song yeah. in all of King's yeah. X history, and it's something totally different. Yeah. That- Jerry on vocals. Um, and it's just a weird song, yeah. and I love not- <laughs> love this song. I know that for at least a thousand years, I haven't tried. Piano, and I these weird diminished chords everywhere. Maybe 10 or 12 long years. I wonder who's playing piano there. Ta? I'm not sure. Well, it says Jerry's piano. Maybe he is. Yeah. And I know that where the chains of doom are kept, I find 
I knew you would pick Looking for Love. Uh-huh. And so I knew that that one was covered. Yeah, it's smart one. So I, I thought I would be safe picking this. <laughs> Anyway, really interesting song. It's something totally out of left field for them, and, and I like it a lot. Uh, Tapehead. Moving on to Tapehead. Tapehead was my introduction to King's X. Okay. I picked up Tapehead in probably 1998 when it came out um, at my local Christian bookstore. Very good. Um, they were not aware yet of, of the changes that had <laughs> come thematically to King's X. They just went, oh, yeah, this those guys that used to play with uh, Morgan Cryer. That's and right. Phil, Phil Keggy, Keggy's back in know? band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think if it, uh, you know, it would probably be laughable to the guys favorite, in the band that I picked this up at Good News Christian Bookstore. Favorite album cover with Doug's head, Doug te- wrapped in tape. That's Doug. Is it du- that's, that's Doug's Doug. head wrapped in tape? Ra- Doug's head wrapped in wow, tape, yeah. literally. Okay, uh, yes. Oh, I'll pick mine, sorry. Uh, Groove Machine, first track, come Boy. on. It's tough to beat King's X first tracks Seriously. on albums. They know how to come about, out the gate. I was gate. going back and looking like at first tracks, you know, Dog Man, this one. So anyway, first tracks, you'll notice that I, I kind of land there. This is, this is the best album that I ever took a chance on. Oh, I, I like that. I bought this knowing nothing about it. Okay. Never having heard it, uh-huh. only that um, my, I had a choir teacher in middle school who was, like, who was like, check this out, and played me something off Faith, Hope, Love, I think. Uh-huh. And um, I, I think he played me Moan Jam. And, um, You're like, I remember them. I like down them. the road, I had a little money. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I had an allowance or whatever, and uh-huh. I had a car, and I would just go to the bookstore and check stuff out. And so I saw this, and I was like, oh, King's X, cool. I'll, you know, and I, t- I took it up to the register, and the guy working the register goes, you like King's X? <laughs> and I went, I don't know. <laughs> I'll this tell you tomorrow. This is the day we would just do that. Yeah, That's I'll tell it. you tomorrow. Put it in my car, and it changed my life, That's bro. Awesome. <laughs> changed my life. Lay down your burdens by the riverside, Rob. Dang. Here you go. Let's do it. Groove Machine. Groove machine. Yeah. Do you, okay, you're in your car and you put it in. You remember where you're like, whoa, like turn down, or you're like, Aah! oh no, turn it way up. Jeez, I was like, what is this? And at this point, I didn't know what the vocals sounded like. Uh-huh. Didn't the vocals come in on this first verse? I was like, are you kidding me? Where have you been all my life? Seriously. I'm in. And they're like, okay, this Forever. could be a Christian bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a deep breath and go for a ride. Welcome to the group machine. Welcome to the group. Welcome to Just bulletproof. That is that song is whew, okay. Super heroic. What's your? Uh, are you using a number? Are you still oh, you just had you just had one. I just had one. Right I'm on tapped. Okay. I've used two, three, four. Okay. I used it in the middle. I All was... right. I selected two off of tapehead. Okay. Um. This in in a similar way. I think this is my favorite album. Okay. But it's not the one I picked four songs off. Okay. Of. Okay. So I picked two off this one. Okay. One of them is Groove Machine. Okay. Uh, the other is track number nine, Higher Than God. Check it out. 
They're like, it says God on the back. <laughs> that little, listen in headphones and hear the, hear the harmonics on the guitar okay. going along with those snare hits. The rhythmic play here, it's almost a multimeter thing. Or a poly, polyrhythmic almost. I'm so glad we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, good. too. All it. right, here's where we're going to get controversy. There's so much good stuff on that album. Here we go. This is a, it's about to get a little controversial here, like where me and Rob disagree. So this is my least favorite King's X album. Yeah. So and this may this I'm going to say it. It's not going to make any sense to most of the world. But I look at the album and I can't remember which tracks are which. This is Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous. That's correct. So I look at it and so it just looks the same. Okay. Oh, does that make sense? Like I'm like I don't remember those songs. Uh-huh. So like I, it's the one I listen to the least. So conf- I've never listened to it that much. So last night I was like I got to pick a song. Yeah. So like I'm listening through and I haven't heard it enough. And I know it's one of Rob's faves. Mm-hmm. But this is this is my least favorite King's X album. Not that they make it, but if this is the one I just didn't listen to. Yeah, I just it's not on my radar. Yeah. So I went with Charlie Sheen. Okay. Because of the name of the song. Okay. I was like, okay, let's start here. Yeah. Like I start here and the snare sounds great uh-huh. at the beginning. And the snare's like, okay, that's good. So I went in hoping that was my favorite song just because it's called Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. And then I went back and listened through all the way through the album and I landed and I said, okay, I'm good with Charlie Sheen I'm being good. my pick. Okay. So all right. I'm going Charlie Sheen. All right. Also, one of mine. Uh, well, if it's allowed, I got to find out if it's allowed. So Charlie Sheen was my, my, my backup. So here we go. Love the grooves. I like how the melody is going one, two, three, one, and the bass is going one, two, four, one. So they singing a three over a four chord, uh-huh. which is not unusual, but it's they're in it's like unison with each other. There, sort of. This song has one of my favorite, maybe my favorite King's X lyrics before it goes to the chorus. It says, um, I don't want to hate you for what you're not sorry for. And I always love that line. Get to the chorus here. There it is. So now we've got a chorus over that little vamp that they were doing at the beginning. Are you my friend? Dear Charlie Sheen. Has no meaning whatsoever. They just needed a rhyme. And it's literally just Charlie Sheen. They thought about Charlie Sheen. Thought it was funny. Kept it in the song. So I need a ruling here. Okay. Okay. Um, I need to know. The last two tracks on the song are Move Me and Move Me Part 2. That's... Uh, and it's... And are it, you saying do I count Can I count one? that as one track? There's nothing different about them. They're just a continuation of each That's other. That's fine. 
okay. uh, uh, dealer's choice. Okay, so all right. If you want to, so since I've covered Charlie Sheen and that was one of yours, yes, you're welcome to. Okay, all right. So then, <clears throat> my four. Then I, first, I'll start there. Then since I just said it, move me and move me part two as one sort of suite at the end. They literally just flow into each other, and one is just a. Um, it's not even a reprise. It just continues on into the next thing. So here's move me. Ty recorded this whole album on a pod. He and Rob, both Line 6 supporters. So this one kind of mellows out. And it just, it hits a vibe that I wouldn't care if it was 30 minutes long. So it literally just does this for a long time. It'll hit the little, uh, the little opening riff again, but it literally just sits a lot like that. And then part two. Well, I think it's even got this refrain in here. It's just that. And then literally part two, move me part two, is just more. I don't even know why they split it. I guess because it would have been like a 12-minute track if they hadn't. I don't know. There's also throughout this album, there's little um, at the, I guess it's the end of the tracks. Like at the very end, it has somebody saying something in a foreign language and then go straight into the next track. Um, it's just a really, I don't know, it's a really cute thing i don't know why they did it or what or what the people are saying but anyway um okay so that's going to be my first cut off of here um i'm going to go with uh but what are you using are you using your four i'm using four on this okay yeah. and we, so you use charlie sheen that is one and you're picking two more yes okay that's right so charlie sheen move me slash move me part two uh and then i'm going when you're scared check it out There's some just like darker textures on this album and darker themes. But he's playing those, all those arpeggios are really low. You know what I mean? Just very, I don't know, I just like this one a lot. And this is the album, we talked to Doug a little bit about this, where it feels like some of the verses and choruses lyrically are not connected at all. It feels like... They just went. It, I just feel like stuff is happening lyrically that hasn't been introduced yet. So I feel like it's almost like, okay, we're going to call this scared. And Doug says, I'm going to write a verse, 
And Ty says, I'm going to write a chorus. Uh-huh. And we'll just put them together. The hook is going to be scared. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And we'll meet in the middle somewhere. And I, it's almost how it feels to me. That's how I wanted it to be in my brain. That's what I wanted to imagine. Okay. So my last uh, pick from uh, Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous, is going to be the song called Smudge. I think this is the darkest song in the King's X catalog. It is grim. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's probably my favorite song off this album. So this is like, I mean, this is grim. You know, this is very dark. And then it gets to this chorus that is maybe the most King's X chorus of their whole career. It goes from this to this insanely beautiful melodic. Check this out. I mean, that's as King's X as it gets. <laughs> Back to super dark. I love it. That's like extremely the darkest and brightest things they've ever, you know what I mean? Still not, uh, that's still not going to, I don't know. I just, I can't. You just don't feel it's it. It's just not mine. All it's right. just not mine. I, I love that's them. Fine. I love everything they do. I just can't, I, nothing grabbed me on that one. All right. So, All right. Charlie Sheen, I'm okay with. But okay. on we go. Okay, picking it back up. All right, picking up 2001's Manic Moonlight. Manic Moonlight. Uh, I mean, false alarm, right? How about a little aux okay. percussion and the Tom Petty sounding guitars to okay. me, the rhythm sounding guitars. This album is funny to me because almost every song starts with a drum loop, uh-huh. which they'd never used before yeah. unless they had some – they might have had one on uh, on Dogman somewhere, but not as a foundational element. But this one, it was like, hey, guys uh, – Look what I just discovered. I, yeah, I got this software pack with these loops on it. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, okay, so you're going false alarm? I'm going false alarm. Check it out. And most of them start with very similar similar drum loops. That's a classic King's X riff. I'm surprised this is your pick. I like it. I mean, it's good. Doubled vocals, split left and right. Okay, there we go. A little false alarm. My pick, I have one pick that's for me and one pick that's for the listeners. Okay, (laughs) so I think probably for the sake of the ultimate king's x playlist pick your listener i probably need to pick the one for the listeners my pick is called skeptical wins it's track six it's another one of those kind of uh 
um, out of pocket for them, you know, atypical King's X thing. Um, but, uh, for the listener's sake, I'm going to go with Believe, the opening track. They know how to do an opening track, dude. That's they it, just man, do. the first track. So here's Believe. It's going to start with a drum loop. Don't be surprised. Every, every track does. Again, it's got a super King's X chorus. Funky. And Doug just does those little those little vocal things like nobody else. So much soul in his voice. And the cross you so they're going to go again from minor verse to major, but not a relative major. Same chord, major. Playing around even with the rhythms, uh, uh, you know that's not that's not like just landing on every beat. It's you know you got to think about your think about your grooves there. All right, so I think we're down both each to one. Yeah, one we got per one's track the, here. One's out. the rest of the way out. Okay. Black like Sunday's next. Black like, um, Sunday. Black like Sunday was a collection of uh, like um, this is like fan demand. Like early they, tracks. They, yeah, the fans are like, we want you to put these out yes. on an album. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so they re-recorded. Some of their old tracks, you know, that had not been included, but used to, they used to play at live shows, early demos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Black Like Sunday is another one that's a smart choice. It's the first track, and it's like, pow, right? The riff is, first riff is so good. Then I thought I should go the Kenny Loggins song, Danger Zone. Just kidding. <laughs> not, not Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. I went with another famous title song, not the Fleetwood Mac version, not the Van Halen version, but the King's X version of Dreams with the bass riff at the beginning, no lyrics. That's all you need, man. Just Dreams. Track five. Here we go. Hello, Doug. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I don't mean sex in a can My dream is to be a brother Not the kind that separates man Alright, uh, I went, for my part uh, I went with the Kenny Loggins cover okay. I went with, uh, <laughs> Danger Zone I went with Danger Zone <laughs> Doesn't sound like Goose Or Maverick <laughs> This is a little... Um, to me, a lot of this album feels a little younger as far as, you know, writers and even material-wise, it feels a little younger. And it should, I mean, a lot of this stuff they had done 
They modernized their tunings. You know, they might have played it in standard, but now played it in drop D or drop D and now played it in B or something like that. But I like this this pre-chorus and uh, I mean the chorus. There we go. Okay, now it's where I get. Do we go? Next would be live if we go chronologically. Chronologically. Or do I save the live one for the end? You'll go ahead and do the live one. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, live one. Live all over the place. Um, I'm going the difference acoustic. So I thought about putting that one on my Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. I Uh love that song. I love that version. But here's some acoustic Kings X for you guys. Some nice acoustic stuff on here. So live all over the place. Oh, he even says so. They can write a pretty song, guys. <laughs> Everybody knows what it is there. There are certain people, King's X fans, that get hung up. There are seven bridges road. But I <laughs> can feel the difference. I can feel the difference. Yeah, it's so nice. Both versions of that are really good. Um, a lot of people get hung up on, like, it's one of those things where they. Uh, you know, talk about their their early stuff was their best stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I disagree with that. Here's why, and I meant to say this at the beginning. I think King's X is a great example of why, in my opinion, it's great to get turned on to a band in the middle in the of middle? their careers. That's good. Yeah, you know I like what I mean? Uh, I'm really fortunate because I didn't get hung up on their early sound or their later sound. And a lot of times, I mean, you didn't realize that that was going to be the middle of their career. Yeah. Like, you didn't know that that could have been the end, you know, it right. could have been, like, you never know. Yeah. Um, but I agree. But it was, it's it's enough of both, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that you can grow both ways, forward and backward, into what they were and what they're still, you know, going towards. Mm-hmm. So it's it's harder to get offended with a band as they change if you if you haven't been with them since the beginning sure. right and so then you go you listen back and you go oh i hear elements of what they're turning into mm-hmm. or you know whatever so i i really enjoy that same thing with like for me bruce hornsby bruce. yeah I know, know. a lot of people are going to say most that that's a constant argument is people are like it's not classic bruce yeah. you know and that's that's something that you, that's i knew you were going to say that that's good yeah so Okay. All uh, right. Moving on. Oh no, no, no. Mine. Um, yours. Mine on that album. I'm going with a little bit of soul. Okay. Um, this is a cheat. This gave me one more off gave the tape you one head. To pull one off um, the tape head. So yeah, here's a uh, a little bit of soul.
Lovely track. Love it. And that's one of those things. He's got several songs that will do that lyrically. He'll take one theme and like sometime, right? Sometimes I want to this and sometimes I want to that. Just put a little soul in this, put a little soul in that, and you use, you know, wordplay to to make it work. Give me a, give me a, give me a. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So Doug does, you know, does quite a bit of that. Overtones. Two, two, two left. left. Overtones two. is my, it's not my least favorite, but it's the one but, I've listened to okay, the least. It's your, it's your please come. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm going, you know, the Bebop song has the uh, Little Richard line in it. The Tutti Fr- Have you listened through the okay. album? Yeah, they okay. do a Tutti Fruity re- uh-huh. reference in there. Um, Alone would have probably been another one for me, but I'm it's like, okay, one. I can't do another opener. Like, <laughs> right, so yes. I like, so I went Fly, uh, no matter what you do, no matter what you say. You, yeah. I love the gang vocals on Fly, okay. so that's going to be my pick. I'm going Fly. All right, check Track it out. four. I'm so glad you said that because I went. I literally had to go through the thought process of if I just pick the first track off all these uh-huh. albums, people are going to think I don't know the album. Don't listen through. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, that's so funny. All right, here's fly. They just know where to put their opening track. That's right, man. No matter what you do. I do like this song a lot. This is my second pick. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like it. No matter what you say. Always somebody who don't understand it. Don't understand it. So good. That's just more. It's like they just have this thing that they do better than anybody where they go heavy, dark, bright, dark, bright, Mm -hmm. dark, bright. More or less, more or less, more or less. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So I'm glad you picked that one because that was my that was my one A on this album. Uh, And I'm going with a track before it for mine. This is Hurricane. that a lot and there's a uh there's a tie back too to one of ty's solo uh side projects i think it's one of the jelly jam they have a track called allison okay um and that's what the, the bgvs are singing right there oh, okay allison cool. she came just like a hurricane um okay. all right last one guys we made it Ogretones, by the way i don't know if you got this far into it has a redone version of goldilocks yeah okay yeah so yeah a re- yeah i listened to it yeah okay check it out the uh XV or 15, depending yeah. on how you... Cause this is their 15th album, yeah. uh, if you count all the live ones. It's their okay. 12th studio recording, um, but that's why they called it XV, which yeah. is the Roman numeral um, for 15. Um, and, I, go ahead. Well, okay. I, I want to set this up a little bit, this album, because this is... I mean, you think, okay, their 15th album. They haven't put out an album since this. This was 2008. 2008 or nine. Okay. Yeah. So this is... 12 years ago, 12, 13, 13 years, years ago, ago as we sit, okay? Um, and it's the last that we have heard from them. But it is so good. And I think that this album is, more so than any of the others, this album is the true spiritual successor to Dogman. Okay. That's my opinion. Okay. okay. I need to listen to it but with that in mind because like, I, I didn't. I think it has the attitude and the presence that Dogman has. Um 
And uh, so all I'm saying is just because like they're getting older and they kind of went on hiatus after this, don't sleep on this album. Mm -hmm. It is bad to the bone. Okay. I know you're like, how long is this episode going to last? Right. You're getting toward the end and you're going to, okay, let's wrap this thing up. But like this, seriously, check out XV. It is so good. So I'm going first track, pray. I'm just kidding. No, I, I really, that's probably the, the is that the one you're going to do? That's what I'm going okay. for, yeah. I'm actually going to go last track. Okay. So I'm going to go, go tell somebody. Okay. Because it's the last track that they've done on a studio project. Okay. It's the last thing you heard from King's X. Okay. And I encourage you guys, if you know somebody that doesn't know King's X, go tell somebody. Yeah, about go tell King's somebody. X. Tell them about the Great Song Podcast, too, <laughs> while you're listening. Let's hear a little Go Tell Somebody. <laughs> Yeah. Blistering. If it's making you shout, then go tell somebody. So good. Yes. All around, go tell somebody. That same kind of lyric idea. Your house, then go tell somebody. It's judgment time. It's judgment time. If you like what you hear, then go tell somebody. That's so good. That's so good. Um, all right, so check this out. Let's see. Uh, okay, so this mine, I'm going with Prey, which is the opening track, which has a similar lyrical idea. Okay, mm-hmm. the lyric that you'll sense a similar thing in the lyrics. Uh, but this is oh, this track is so good. Gang vocals in unison and then splitting here in the parts. That's so good. Thank man. you guys for joining us on the 150th King's X journey. This is going to be a long episode. It's going to be long because we're about to talk to Doug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he is not short winded, oh which God. was fine with us. We're yeah. like, we're hanging out with Doug Pinnock. I know, right? So we'll trim it. 
We'll we'll trim it up. If right. you want to hear, hear all of it, and go you want to hear six more hours, just come <laughs> on and hang out with us. Seriously, thank you guys for sticking with us. Some of you have been with us since the very beginning of this show, and I can't believe that you've sat through, I mean, essentially 150 hours of your life with us. It's just mind-blowing uh, that that you would you know, make that kind of time and space for us in your lives because uh, I know you're as busy as anybody else. So, like, thank you guys so much. Some of you, some of you are new to the show, and you've been with us for a while. We have people <laughs> – we had somebody that was like, hey, I, you know, I caught the show what, basically at the time, like – Six weeks ago, five, six weeks Went back ago. back and listened to the whole back And they had caught up to now. It's amazing. Uh, you know, uh, it, it just blows my mind. So you, you guys, um, thank you for listening. It means so much to us. Here's to another 150. That's right. Dude, it's, happy whatever anniversary. I don't know what you call Goodness this. Gracious. But it's happy wonderful. celebration day. I'm glad we finally got to do some stuff on King's X. So we've talked about it forever. Yep. Uh, I think they were even on our bingo card. When we made oh, a, a couple I, seasons oh, ago, we man, made a bingo right. card. And I think King's X was on there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we got a great uh, interview coming up with Doug Pinnock, lead singer, bass player of King's X. And uh, if you want to connect with us more, hit us up on socials at Great Song Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join the Facebook group. A lot of fun going on at, uh, at uh, Great Songs and the great people who love them greatly. If you want to go the extra mile and support the show, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash greatsongpod, and we can, as a thank you, give you stuff like uh, bonus episodes, full episodes that you don't get anywhere else, and weekly reaction shows, early access, some other stuff, um, and um, yeah, it's we're having a great time. So we thank you guys for helping us to keep being able to do what we're doing, um, and everybody who's listening to the show, wherever you are, whoever you are, and whatever level you are engaging with us on we thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. It's Hang out with honor. Doug and us. Here we go. That's right. There's more. Let's take it. Doug Pinnock. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are so excited to talk with the man himself, Doug Pinnock, lead singer, bassist, songwriter for King's X and like 50 other bands. <laughs> um, <laughs> Doug, thanks so much for joining us today, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, why don't we start with sort of our live experience yeah, with Kings X? We I, wanted to. I asked Rob. I want the first one. So we saw you. <laughs> okay, we you saw, got it. We saw you back in probably around 2003. We were trying to pinpoint the exact date. Okay. We saw you with mm-hmm. Satch and uh, Joe Satriani oh. and Dream Theater oh. at the Tabernacle in Atlanta. And oh, that was a half hour kick your tour yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was and that, that, so that was one of the highlights of that's that's in my uh, my mount rushmore of concerts that i've been to it's that one yeah. um, i'll never forget that tour <laughs> so so the question that we have to tie in with that is you guys do a great live show tons of energy what does a pre-game show look like pre-game for king's x like are y'all chill are y'all relaxed are y'all locker room like energy what's y'all's what's your pre-game for, before you know it, 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 we we laugh about this and we always wonder what people would think if they came backstage before right before we went on half hour before we go on everybody has to leave the room and the three of us just sit there and look at the floor <laughs> like we we don't want to do this we hate the world we wish we were dead there's just it's just <sighs> and then, then, then someone will come in and go five minutes, guys, and all of us will get up and go pee. Every one of us wait for each other, and and we're always coming out. Somebody comes out the bathroom late all the time when we're supposed to be on at a certain time, and so by the time we get to the stage, it's a little five minutes late. We don't rush to the stage 
I walk real fast, and then I look back and watch the other two slowly <laughs> walking up to the stage, like, hey, what's not, not even talking to each other. They just kind of walk up. And as soon as we walk on stage and we grab our equipment and the, we hear the crowd, we hit that first note and everything changes. And the, it's, the switch goes it's, off. It's, and the switch goes on. And I mean, there's no exercise, there's no, there's no paradiddles, there's no guitars <laughs> in the room. Wow. There's wow. no guitars in the room. There's no vocal exercises. There's no nothing. We've never done it. We just wow. walk on stage cold. No, no stretching, thing, um, nothing. Just game on. Not, nothing. But here's the sad thing about it is because we've been able to pull it off. We know. I listen to live tapes and go, you know, it was a seventh or eighth song when we finally locked in mm. because we should have been warmed up. And, and, and when we go out to play, yeah, a third of the set, we're warming up. Wow. And literally sometimes, oh, dude, one time we went to, this was about five or six, well, last time we went to Europe, actually, uh, we played Sweden Fest, and it was the first show on the European tour, and we hadn't played in about five months, and we walked on stage in front of 40,000 people without rehearsing and without a sound check. <laughs> oh, oh, my and, goodness. <laughs> and we did it, but... It's like we look at each other and go, "What? Are we stupid?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we we really feel like, dude, you know, you you, you could have been better if you had warmed up. Gluttons for punishment, right? You just like but, put yourself. But, but no, no, it's like you get out there, and it's like I I won't remember a note or two in the first second first verse, but by the time I get the second verse, it's bad. Right. You know, I mean, the first riff you might hear a disturbance in the force <laughs> just somewhere. There's a, there's like a, what was that? That's and great. then you never know. But next time around, you don't hear it. That's because, you know, I'll be playing and I'll go, what the f what's that note? <laughs> you know, and like Dogland for it. And, and the thing is when we play, it's second nature because I'm singing and playing at the same time. There's two, my brain switches on and off so that sometimes if my brain's not in the right place and I start to think, then I don't know what to play. Yeah. Like on Dogman, the riff is really weird, but I don't think when I play it. But if I have to sit down and go, I got to play this without singing, I don't, I can't barely play it. It's right. like I have to sit down and go, what did you do there? <laughs> it's all, it, the two things work hand in yeah. hand. Muscle memory. So, muscle memory. Muscle memory. Yeah. Get it going. Well, I've got a follow up to that then because of mm -hmm. the energy conversation and that you mentioned Dogman. Uh, the opening track for Dogman, the, the title track, mm -hmm. is the best intro song of any album i've talked about it on other episodes that's like out the gates with energy what was the do you remember yeah. what the energy was in the room when you recorded it because it's packed so full of energy were you guys hyped well, up then or was it similar to your show <laughs> were you um i re i remember when when ty wrote that song and he played us a demo and it started out with vocals and uh and the riff came in and we went yeah and uh, so we did the song. We worked the song up in our rehearsal room, then made a demo of it and sent it to Brendan with all the rest of the songs. And um, we went in, and I think Dogman might have been the first song we tracked, but we didn't, there were no vocals on anything, so you didn't kind of, you didn't get the picture. We were just, we were just, all we heard was music that we were laying down tracks to. And, um, and we were just, Works. The thing about that record was it wasn't just the song Dog Man. It was how Brandon had us sounding on everything. Yeah. Um, I, we take uh, CDs home of 
of uh, rough mixes of just the basic tracks, even if there's no overdubs, just to listen to them on our ghetto blaster in Atlanta in the, in the house that we stayed in. And we would sit there, Jerry and I would sit there and go, man, this is brutal. I can't wait till people hear this. I mean, we had a, that was the first time I think we ever sat there going, I can't wait till people hear this. This is, this is huge. Yeah. And, um, and we were excited about that. That's the biggest thing we thought about it is, is that this is, this is the way we sound live and this way we wanted to sound on the record. Yeah. For those, that um, are, for our listeners, he's speaking of Brendan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. This was the first project y'all had done with mm-hmm. him. Maybe tell the listeners what it was like working for or with the legend of Brendan O'Brien who's done <laughs> Springsteen, well, oh, oh, Black Crows, Pearl Okay. Jam. Well, well, Sam had left us and left us high and dry and we had no, we had known no other producer or anyone who ever worked with us because Sam was Sam was the Jim Jones of the of the entourage and uh so we didn't know anything other than when he left we had to figure out what we were going to do next and even who's going to pay us you know it was crazy because he controlled everything that we did so when we left um we were looking for a manager and Atlantic said well you got a new record you got to do uh, who do you want to produce it because Sam was gone so we could we could get on another producer or someone you know what i'm saying and so uh i immediately said brennan o'brien are you kidding i was listening to uh black crows and rage against the machine and stuff like that and i was listening to the bass and the fatness of the mixes and i kept thinking to myself you know this is exactly what i want us to sound like because that's what we sound like live and this is the way I'd mix all King's X records if I could, right. you know, because when we, fir- when we did the first King's X record, I remember I had seen the first, heard the first record that I had heard that turned my eye was Masters of Reality. And uh, Rick Rubin had produced it, but Brendan O'Brien was the engineer. And they had literally stripped away every effect that there was. Back in the day, everything was so affected and produced that nothing was real even, you know, even the drum snares and stuff. And, and, and they came back and said, let's go back to ground zero. And when I first heard that record, I went, the drums, they sound like real drums. The cymbals, <laughs> they sizzle. You know, it's like, wow. I was like, everything is clear. There was two guitars, the drums, and bass. None of that clutter. And I went to, to Sam and said, Sam, listen to this sound. Can we do that? And he, they just went, no, not at all. <laughs> I was dismissed, you know? And so, so we did four, you know, four King's X records. And if you notice, the fourth one started to sound more like the Brennan O'Brien era, you know, they were trying to enter into it because that's where everybody was going. Um, so anyway, so I was excited about that. Um, but uh, Brendan came in and just, he listened to us do all the songs live and he says, so what do you want from this record? And we said, I want, we want you to make a song that we do live. And he goes, Oh, I can do that. <laughs> and that's what we did. Went in and made a record and he just jammed this out and rocked it out. It's just a straight up balls in your face record. And um, <laughs> what I love about that record more than anything is that because of Brendan, that record set a new standard for Sonics in rock music. Mm. And I remember after that record came out, all of a sudden everybody was beefing up their mixes and, and there was that, that, that thickness was coming back to the mix. And I was real happy about that. That's and, that and Brendan, Brendan, that's Brendan, all Brendan's doing. He's the master. 
Yeah, it's 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 such a different. You can hear, as a matter of fact, on my on my way driving into Nashville today, I was just listening to various eras of Kings X, and I went from you know Gretchen goes to Nebraska to a little uh, Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbas, all the way to XV, mm-hmm. and uh, and the difference. I, I was thinking that same thing. I was like, this is so much closer to how they are live. It's got that same. It's just. Mm, you know, it's yeah. it's like I don't really have a great word for it, but it just is so um, it stomps bombastic. you. It's, yes, I I always say it stomps you. Yeah, that's what we we just like that. That's what we've want, you know being in this band for as long as we've been together. Um, you know, we're all three individual people who have completely different uh, ideas about just about everything. <laughs> a few a few things we settle on, and that's. We love to pound you, mm. like just go bam, bam, bam musically, just kick you and just beat you up. <laughs> we love doing that. <clears throat> and all of us, all of us, for some reason, gravitate to when we go bam, all of us go, okay, let's give them a kick. <laughs> and, and it's, that's the fun of it all is, is beating people up uh, sonically. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. So speaking of setting new precedents in rock music, I got to I got to know. I got to ask you this to to settle this once and for all. Uh, who is responsible for the modern iteration of drop D tuning? Is it Ty? Is okay. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the whole story behind that because I I was in MC Five with uh, uh, Kim Thales was in the band too for a you know, side project for uh, was MC5 but with a you know hired band basically okay. which was us and uh, I got to talk to Kim because Soundgarden's first record if you put on were the first uh, major record basically the ultra mega okay when that record came out the beginning of it had all these weird sonic sounds like our record did. And the first song came on was boom, and it was drop D and King's X was and it was like the same thing. And um, I remember they only did a couple songs in their record that was dropped and they did a couple weird tuning things because Chris did that. That was something he did a lot. Yeah. And But the King's X record was majority of it was drop D tuning. And uh, now... Chris, I mean, uh, Kim told me that he showed Chris drop D tuning in 1985 because he had learned it from some Indian tuning. And Ty wrote Pleiades in 1985 from drop D tuning that he had learned from bluegrass. Okay. So those two things happened. And those two things spawned a whole thing that changed. Everybody changed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you can argue as to who did it first. I do believe that Alice in Chains probably put it on the map when it came to every kid in the street. Mm. You know, they, they, they took that and, and, and did the drop D kind of vibe and the King's X thing. And, and, and Alice in Chains, I love those guys. And they told me that, that, you know, we were a big influence on them. And, and so I'm proud of that. I knew Lenny and he, I love the guy to death and and uh so not trying to take anything away from those guys because it's an amazing band but uh so you know the whole grunge thing and the whole thing that happened in texas and uh it seemed like after about six or seven months just about everybody in the world was dropped detuned and and i could attest to that doing a world tour and coming back and we i used to watch uh headbangers ball and everything was hair metal (laughs) 
And I remember we went on tour on the Gretchen record. And we, I think it was Gretchen record, yeah. And we came back nine months later and I turned on MTV and the only band that was in regular tuning was Bon Jovi. And everybody <laughs> was, everybody else was drop D tuning with the groove. Yeah. And, 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 pe- and there was melody instead of these, la, 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 but there was people were singing again, Rainey and Eddie and all those people, you know, and I knew all those guys, you know, I met them back when they, you know, in the early days, I remember they came to see us pro jam and, uh, Allison Chains came to see us opening for uh, ACDC. Then we hung out after the show and went to Tacoma, Washington, and we watched, which was Mookie Blaylock at the time. <laughs> and th- they were they were uh, Pearl Jam, but they hadn't got a record deal yet. They they opened for Allison Chains, and Allison Chains' first record had just come out. And so we we all go way back. Yeah. Well, you guys have King's X has one of those reputations as a band who is seminal for other bands and respected like crazy among musicians, but hasn't always gotten sort of that mainstream level love. Um, how do you feel about that? Is that like a badge of honor that like, man, all the musicians, musicians love the heck out of us? Or do you want to be like, crap, man, where's my flowers? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, crap, man, where's my flowers? <laughs> you know, I mean, no, I don't think there's anybody that does this without wanting to be a super, super, super rock star. No matter how much they hate it, how much they think it's going to be a terrible thing or how much they detest it deep inside. When you got all that money, you can do whatever you want to. You don't like it. You know, you're not going to sit there and go, oh, wish I didn't do it. But, uh, you know, we figured that out around Dogman that we weren't going to be a huge band and that that's the way it was. So do you want to keep going or do you want to just live this life and do what you love to do? And we decided to just keep going and do what we love to do because there's no... My philosophy in life and our philosophy in life is life is what you make it. If King's X didn't become as big as you two, it's because King's X didn't bring something to the party that created that excitement. You can't blame anybody. No one. You can maybe say there's factors, which are always that Mm -hmm. or things, mistakes that you made, but but it's always looks back to you, you know, like I think about Buddy Miles, for instance, you know, he played Woodstock with everybody else in, 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 in 69 and almost everybody that played Woodstock went on to sell millions, but he couldn't make it. He was supposed to play and didn't make it. And he never became huge. He became a legend to a whole lot of us. And I remember he said, that's what screwed it up. He said he couldn't get to Woodstock. Hmm. And, and the thing is, still, at the end of the day, you got to say, he didn't get the Woodstock. If that's the reason, then there is a reason. For us, my, I am convinced from, through trial and error that w- what it is about the masses in King's X is our music is a little bit too much for them to digest. They can't follow it. Mm. They really can't. They need something a lot simpler they, that they can sing along to. Now, we can argue there's Rush, there's Yes, there's bands that play this really complicated music, but there's something about King's X that people just couldn't grab. Now, it could be, you know, I'm a black person, maybe they're expecting me to rap, maybe they're looking for some kind of different something from me, or maybe the combination of gospel, metal, you know, rock, <laughs> whatever, was was too much for people, I guess. And the other thing, too, is people, many people have to be told what to like. 
if you get if you you, you got to you know and and that kind of thing one of the thing too is most music that goes huge is calculated even if the bands think it's not it is because when you sit down to write a song or make music you calculate it and you try to write a good song yeah so you calculated a good tune that time and it made a lot of money for you you your your calculations were a little bit off that was a good song but it didn't equate to the world there's nothing good or bad or you know to be heard about it that's what i look at it it's not like oh people don't like you it's like it, i'd be an idiot if i expected the world to like me they didn't love jesus they don't love anybody <laughs> well we you know well, and, we and, love and you special, <laughs> thank you thank we are team Doug Pinnock all the way <laughs> good and and here's the other thing that what record companies told me people who i really uh respect and have sold records indirectly you know producers or uh, record company executives. What they always said to us was, "Oh man, my I spaced out on it." <laughs> um, oh, they said this, and this is what they probably look for. They said, "Listen," he said, "either people will love you, or they." He said, "They should love you, or they should hate you." But if they're indifferent, that's the kiss of death. Mm. And with King's X, it's never been. We don't have haters. We just have. A bunch of a small bunch of people who are it's like fine wine drinkers right you know and you can play king's x to all your friends all day and all night and every time you're around them and they still just don't get it yeah you know and um so what do you do you can't i i i, I you know it's like you, you go to school and you hope, try to make everybody like you and you become a fool <laughs> um, or you, or you learn how to take what you got and get by with what you, you know, get what you know what I'm saying yeah. is, oh, is we, we totally, and we get you and we right. are, you're Thank talking you, to the people that, that we are, we are, I smoke deep. weed and I babble. <laughs> it's all good. We're, we're with you. Now you yeah. mentioned Woodstock, so I got to tie in Mudstock. I got to go oh, 94, yeah, yeah. 94 yeah. atmosphere at 94 Woodstock. Tell us a little bit Hell about, yeah. were you at the, uh, just for my knowledge, were you at the promise stage when they were getting pelted with mud during the, my name is mud. Were you around? No, that? I was, I was, uh, I was, we were there the night or the day before. Okay. The night yeah. before. I didn't remember how it, how it lined up, but I we, heard that- we, yeah, we played before the mud. Okay. Yeah. I heard Les Claypool still has clumps of mud in a base case that he carries <laughs> around. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. That was a, that was an event that, if you played it, you'll never forget it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's something that was, I mean, some of those bands have gone on to play even huger places for sure. But just the Woodstock 94, just the whole thing about it, being a part of it was really, really good. Um, I was excited about it. I was so excited about it that I got my hopes up because I'm going, we're playing Woodstock for 300, 400,000 people maybe. And I thought, there's our commercial. Now we can do it. If we play for these people, we got them. They're going to go buy our records. Oh, man, this is going to be great, man. We, we got out, out there. We did our thing. We did over my head, did the long speech. Crowd went nuts. They yelled back as I went. Somebody said, yeah. I mean, USA Today said we were one of the top five bands. Uh, 
um, uh, Howard Stern said we we blew everybody away. Wow, and that's, USA, that's big. And MTV said we MTV said we woke everybody up on that Friday evening, and we played when the sun went down, the perfect spot, and we got acclaimed as this is awesome. Next week, record sales, two hundred and fifty in the upstate New York uh, area, and the al- album tanked, and Atlantic went. What do you? Well, let's put you in the studio and try again. Wow! Nobody bought it, and that's when we that we said, "Ah, I get it now." And we just kind of lost lost that dream. Mm. But but the thing about it is, I'm glad I lost that dream because, not to sound like an egotist, but being put in a legendary category without selling a zillion records and having a billion mindless followers, you know, I feel honored at that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you've, I mean, the people that people that love King's X, love King's X, all about us, everything about us and and we're a part of them in their lives. We're not just that fleeting one hit wonder that people go, you know what I'm saying? Well, you mentioned some other, people that you've played with and side <laughs> projects and you're you're so much more than just king's x like right. we don't want to put you in the box of just king's uh, x because you've been what okay. i would call thank you i would call <laughs> super groups i'll call them super groups i mean super shine with bruce franklin and jeff olson of trouble no, that ain't nothing yeah. that ain't nothing to laugh at grinder blues kxm my favorite though is the mob i'm a fan of the mob really with, oh are you kidding yeah with red beach mm. and kip winger and kelly wow. Kane. that's my that's my jam never yeah. get enough is you know so so good. Okay, I got to tell you about this record. This is so cool. Reb calls me up and says, Doug, I'm making this solo record. And I got some guys together, a keyboard player from Night Ranger and yeah. forgot who else. Um, and uh, he said, you want to be a part of it? I go, yeah. He said, all I want you to do is sing. I go, oh, man. It wasn't that I didn't want to play bass. I was thinking I had to make up m- melodies and stuff. <laughs> and he says, don't worry about that. I'll just hum melodies and you just put words to it. I'm going, really? He said, yeah. He said, that's what I'm good at is melodies. I just ain't got good at words. I'm going, awesome. So he sent me the demos and hum. <laughs> literally. And I played them over and over again until those, those he and hers turned into words. That's awesome. They turned into words. And... Then I started writing things down, and all of a sudden, I had melodies from his syllables in the way he phrased things, and that's how that came about. That, that's uh, your that's your lyrical genius uh, project, right? because that's <laughs> all lyrics. That's awesome. That's all it was. And uh, I remember I went into the studio in Nashville and sang them, and Kip produced it and uh, ran the ran the controls, and we were all hung out together. It was pretty cool. So when you're when you're um when a side project is coming together, how do you go about not only putting putting a band like that together, um, but then putting records together as either like independent or smaller label projects, um, and and knowing what to write best for which band? You know all these things. What's the what's the economy of of being involved in all these side projects? Uh, people that I'm with. Um that subject doesn't come up, and if it did, I'd veto it, it the best as I could. You know, when 
the whole reason I like to play with other musicians and hopefully they pick me for that reason is that see what we can create with who we are. Uh-huh. Uh, pe- people that I've gone to see live that I could stand in front of and I'm mesmerized by their gift, not by how flashy they are, but w- w- the emotion that I got from them and, and what they did to me. And I, and I find those people all, all usually all through my life and, and even more now since I have, I know a lot of famous people, but I can ask people, Hey man, want let's put a thing together and see what we can come up with, you know? And all of a sudden you got a whole nother thing. Um, just had Triani asked me to, to do that Hendrix tribute thing with, with Kenny Aronoff and, you know, on paper, you go, well, what's this going to turn out like? Oh, my God. It was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Wow. Uh, I mean, we we did Jimi Hendrix proud, I hope. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, there were moments, you know, that we just went, wow, he's here. Because we did the live stuff, the chaotic stuff. The, um, we did If Six Was Nine and third stone from the sun we did the did the crazy stuff and i sound just like him on a thing and i play bass left-handed so the visual and the light show and everything and then satriani didn't do satriani he did hendrix man wow. he he stepped out and then kenny did uh uh um mitch mitchell so much like Mitch Mitchell that sometimes i couldn't find the one i mean <laughs> kenny kenny That's get great. out of it Kenny get out of the beat or I'd get off beat from something that we're doing, you know, like in, uh, I don't live today in yeah. the middle oh, yeah. part where it gets crazy, you know, after, I mean, and then he'd do it faster on the record. So I'm going, and all of a sudden my hands and his kick drum and where's it at? And I'm going, turn it up on the monitors. Give me more kick drum. I'm looking at the monitor guy. And finally I'll say, I look back at him and go, where's the and all of a sudden he'll hit a boom and all of a sudden I know what the one is because he'll hit it with the symbol. <laughs> and, and I'll look like thanks and then we keep on going until we end it. <laughs> there was some, and I remember one night I was watching a video of it and of, of some of the songs and we got into one song where it got so crazy that the whole room just went because we had gotten off like Hendrix did and then we got back on and all of a sudden when we hit the notes together it was like we had created this thing that we had done on purpose but we didn't but it was just that's the fun of making music is when you don't know what you're going to create you just go for it Mm. you walk the plank and if you got any if you can swim then you'll figure it out. <laughs> to to steal a line from Satriani, that strange, beautiful music, That's right? right. There you go. Yes. Oh, that guy. I love him. He's yeah. so much fun to work what, with. One of oh, our yeah. favorites. Gosh. We've mentioned our affinity for Dream Theater, so we yeah. got to mm. talk about Lines in the Sand. Yeah. Yeah, one of the coolest cameos ever. Oh, the first man. time, like, I was, I'm listening to that album and <laughs> all into first time I go, we're like, oh my god. Yeah, I go, holy, cr- is that is that Doug Pinnock? Like, it was just <laughs> a, a meeting Doug. of worlds that, Here, uh, you know. Here's the, here's the thing about me is back in the day and even now, I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> and 
And a lot of times, it, back in the day, I didn't warm up ever, which I should have, and I didn't. And so after a couple songs or a couple of things around my bus will start to open up and it'll start smoothing out. And then I can give you something, you know, because back in the day, you know, we're invincible. We can smoke whatever we want to. We can still up nail that, shit, you know. <laughs> and but uh, back in the day, we could, you know. Uh, so they they didn't I didn't know them hardly at all. Every time Kings X played. uh New Jersey area, they would come out and see us play and then come backstage and hang out and let us know that they, you know, they really love King's X. And that was about it. We just kind of would say, Hey, and have a drink or something. And they'd go home. And one day they were making the record and somebody said, I wish Duck could sing on this. And, and somebody said, well, why don't you call him? And so they got my number from someone and they didn't think I'd do it. They were kind of afraid. They said, and they called me and, and they said, you want to do it? I go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and I didn't even think about getting paid. That was a fun thing. Um, I said, yeah. So they flew me out to New York, put me in a hotel on Times Square. Uh, the next day I went into the studio and I had asked them to make sure they had some weed for me. And um, so I got there and they played me the song. And uh, James was going to do the vocal track was at, fixing to do the vocal track and I was gonna, you know, listen and learn some stuff. And he says to me, okay, I'm fixing to do it. So, uh, you want, uh, to get a room to warm up? Uh, cause I have a room that I warm up in before I go on. And I go, oh no, can you get me a room where I can smoke this joint? <laughs> and, and so they got me a room and I smoked the joint. And so I came out and James, I don't know if he was still warming up or not, but I went into the studio and I says, you ready to, you know, let's, let's get a headphone set. And, uh, so they ran the song. I kind of sang my part one time to get, get the headphone mix. Right. Then I says, Oh, let's run it. Let me try to learn it. And the second time I sang it thinking, okay, that's pretty rough, but, uh, I'll keep on doing this for a while and, uh, we'll get, we'll get it. Um, you know, and, uh, and all of a sudden the producer says, we got it. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, we got it. I go, no. I said, can I do it again? He said, no, no, this is, this is exactly what I want. <laughs> and I'm going, okay. And I left and they sent me a $600 check. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, this is horrible. <laughs> and I don't play it. I don't listen to it. Really? Oh, and, we love it. Oh, we love it. And and I remember when we went on tour and I had to get up and sing it. I After King's X plays and I've screamed my lungs out, then I start drinking and start smoking more weed, right? <laughs> so my voice cools down and it's gone. And they wanted me to come out and do Lines in the Sand every night. Mm. And the problem with me was I couldn't wait till. I couldn't wait that long. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're on the road. It's a party. I don't want to wait that long. So I just never would wait. And I'd go out there and yell that part out just like the record. And nobody knew. <laughs> oh, well, well, to come and, and that's horrible. That's horrible. I should be ashamed of myself. Listen, I got to tell you one thing. People don't get it. But I have no respect for my voice because I've been singing all my life. And I've done this all my life. And I've heard people like what I do all my life. I've seen people cry when I sing all my life. And so for me, I'm just doing what I do and I like to do what I do and I like it when people react to it. But if I knew what I had, I might have it taken care of it better. And if I knew what I had, I would be taking better care of it now. 
Well, we're going to kind of change gears. I'm making quotes and talk about <laughs> talk about gear a little bit. So you are yeah, let's do that. You're the king of the twelve string bass. Uh, we can talk about Mm-mm. that. Um, Tom Peterson's a twelve. Well, Tom uh, Peterson is the king. Okay, well, you're in conversation. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you're on the Mount Rushmore. I, I have a I have a tech question uh, and pa- and pardon mm-hmm. the tech. Tech Twenty One has the Dog Ultra Bass, a uh, thousand amp, correct? And the, it's mm-hmm. got the the Tech Twenty One distortion pedal, which is like a smaller version of, but it's like a pedal. It's like a distortion pedal, and anything that says chunk on it is the coolest thing. How how involved are you in the design of a pedal that's like a Doug Pinnock pedal? Well, that pedal was all hands on. I mean, I gave them the design, and they figured it out electronically how to make it happen. But I was there when it comes to the 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 tones and uh the the frequencies and the way it responds and things like that yeah it was we excuse me we work real hard on that the rest of it is the genius they they are genius at what they do so it's like if you take something that's genius and 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 uh you ask them to make a sound that sounds like you. <laughs> they know how to do it. It, it's, it was pretty cool. It's visually one of the best looking pedals. I think it looks fantastic. So I think it looks. You know, they designed that, and I really, really like that too. And I remember when Dale showed it to me, I went, "Wow, I like that." And it's small. You can put it in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Excellent. Uh, so going back to the twelve string bass for a second, uh, I, mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this on the show before, but I'll, I'll remind our listeners. So the twelve string bass, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's tuned like a regular four string bass but each ba- each string is tripled right so you've right. got three e's three a's three d's three g's um, right and with a big string and two smaller versions of that same note right in, that are that are in unison in, yeah. in unison okay so mm-hmm. how do you now you've got pretty big hands as i recall like you've you know you're a you're a tall guy and you've you know whatever but i don't understand how you train your fingers to 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 uh, function well with that sort of setup where you're having to hit three notes as a bass player instead of one and the strings. Uh, it's not, yeah. It's not really hard. Um, <laughs> it's just something you have to get used to. Like, you know, it's like playing the 12 string uh, acoustic guitar, you know, you, you, it's just a little bit awkward, different feeling. And you just, you go accustomed to it. That's what humans do. You know, that's why there's a lot of guys that can pick up any guitar and make it sound like them is because they're just used to playing any guitar mm. and they know how to, they know how to move their fingers just right. Um, that's what it is with the 12 string. I just say, you know, some people might have a hard time with it. Um, but, uh, I don't cause I got long fingers. Uh, but my neck is about a little bit wider than, a regular bass neck and it's not as thick. I mean, it's, it's as narrow as a regular bass neck. Uh, cause I like the, 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 the narrowness of it, but the, the, uh, what do you call it? The fretboard mm-hmm. is a little bit wider for, for, a, and it's about as big as basically a guitar 12 string. So it's not that much different really. Um, I don't really have trouble. Um, the only trouble I have with it is just grabbing those strings. Sometimes it's like, does it weigh a metric I, ton? Is it super no, heavy? No, no, it's it's not super heavy. Uh, I got light, um, a light bodies, but uh, the 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 neck itself uh, has two truss rods, and then the key uh, the keys on the other. You know, there's twelve keys, so you got to make sure you don't get real heavy keys because then it just weights down the other way. Right. Um, 
Um, and if you play with your fingers, you have to have the high strings uh, on the bottom and the big string on top. But if you play with a pick, you got to have it the other way because the high strings get hit first and then the low end. Um, in a regular tuning, I think it's pretty hard to play, but I, I tune everything in the C. So oh, wow. when I grab those, those strings, it's a lot easier. Um, when I do that. So, um, 12 strings, it's, it's its own animal. Um, and there's a way to play it. And I don't know if too many people are up for that challenge because a lot of, a lot of bass players are, um, well, a lot of bass players are just frustrated guitar players, so they don't <laughs> need the 12 string. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of other bass players are just, what they do is, is unique in itself and 12 string wouldn't, you know, like Stanley Carp in a 12 string. Why? Right. You know, uh, uh, but, um, yeah, it's just for some. I've seen a couple people use it like really, really good. Um, well, Jeff Amon from Pearl Jam, for one. Yeah. He's, he's real good at, at his, uh, and, and, uh, Tom Peterson, Tom Peterson just plays notes. You know, he doesn't do any arpeggios or any kind of chimes and things like me and Jeff do. But uh, he just rocks out with a great tone, mm -hmm. you know, and the 12 string, that growl behind him is pretty cool. It does. But I love, I love the, those things. The instant growl of yeah. the 12 string is just unmistakable. Like it's just instantly <laughs> yeah. heavy. The, uh, but you know, a lot, of, a lot of people think that that instant growl is the 12 string and it's not. Like on, on Dogman, I use my 12 string only on uh, uh, human behavior. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's just People all have always, that's all, that's straight up bass tone. Dog, uh, wow. Black This Guy, Black This Guy is my tone. He got, he got dub tone like nobody's ever got dub tone. <laughs> that's and, awesome. and when you, when you, when you play Black This Guy and get to the part where Ty does his lead, take your, take your, uh, uh balance and turn to the left because there's no guitar on that side. Oh, wow. And all you hear is drums and bass. And listen to that, oh, Brendan dial that stuff in like nobody ever has, awesome. and, and and I still try to. <laughs> <laughs> I just have always visualized you playing the twelve through yeah. Dogman. Okay, I got a I got a Dogman mm -hmm. question while we're on it. So y'all had yeah, sure. four, four different colors of the cover. When you picture Dogman, <laughs> what is your color on the cover? Mine's red. I picture red. I, I picture yellow. Rob pictures yellow. When you look at the Dogman cover, what color is it? Mm -hmm. Well, I picked green. Okay. Jerry picked Jerry picked yellow. Ty picked uh, blue, and Jay because our sound man wanted to be in on it, and he said, "Why don't you pick red?" Because he liked red. Okay. So we we all picked four colors, and then I said to Sam, "Ask Atlantic if they'll put this record out with four separate covers," and he said, "I don't know if they want to do that." And he asked them, and they said. That's cool. We'll I probably sell more records. It's right. because Brilliant. people will buy. It. That's right. And people did. People went and bought all four CDs. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Can, how I want to take it back really far. We will we respect your time, so we'll kind of wrap it up. But one of my favorites mm -hmm. is I'm a huge Phil Keggy guy. So and I know that's a different era awesome. for you. So. Tell awesome. us a little bit about about uh, you guys were the rhythm section for Keggy for the flip side. Era. Yeah. So talk a yeah. little bit about that that portion, if you don't mind, of your career. Well, you know, I, you know, I like to babble. <laughs> Yo, no, you're, good. you're good. Oh, okay, I, I was in a I was in this Christian band called Servant. I had started it. It was a part of the church I went to, and we had opened up for um, almost all the the big. 
Christian acts like second chapter of acts and Rand, and not, not Randy, St- yeah, Randy Stonehill Randy and people like that, uh, people like that. And, um, so, uh, and Petra and Petra, uh, had lost the rhythm section and Greg Vols uh, and the keyboard in Petra had heard me sing in my band called Servant. I played bass and guitar in it, and we sounded like Kansas and Yes doing Jesus songs. <laughs> there's two and, different um, bands of Servant, so if y'all are looking up, there's, it, 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 it's not that Servant. If you're probably no, it's at- not. It's not. In fact, I've got one day I'm going to release the music because I've got a couple live shows and I've have had it on hard drive for years. Oh my gosh! Anyway. Yes, please release that. <laughs> so so anyway. Uh, so Greg, uh, the keyboard player had heard of me singing and Greg had heard about me and Greg was like the big singer in Christian Dome at the time. And so they said, well, let's see if he wants to play bass in the band. And so they called me up to see. And I said, yeah, because my band servant, we had gotten to a point where they, the, all the guys had gotten married and they were having kids and they wanted to spend more time with family and church and didn't want to tour, didn't want to play out, but maybe a couple times a month and rehearse maybe twice a month. And I'm thinking, I got nobody and that's not <laughs> what I want to do. So I said, Lord, open the door and I'm out of here. Literally uh, a few weeks later, uh, they called me up and said, you want to join Petra? I says, yeah, Where's, you know, what do I do? And I moved to Springfield, Missouri that, wow. to make a long story short. Packed up everything, left my job that I had, uh, church, band, everything that I had. I left Joliet only when I was 29 years old. And uh, I drove down there. I got there and to Springfield, and Greg says the band broke up. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. And I'm going, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> I'm here and, now. <laughs> and I said, well, I got no place to live or what to do. So some people in this church rented a little house for me to live in. It was like a hundred dollars a month. And I stayed there. Uh, and about two months later, we got hooked up with Phil Keggy. I had never met Phil Keggy, but Phil Keggy was a rock star in my eyes. It was like, <laughs> he was the, the greatest ever. And he was a Christian. And so it was like, that was whole, Oh my God. And to even be able to play with him or be asked to was a big deal for me. I was 29 years old and had no clue. I'd never done nothing ever i was just in a band that did everything wrote all the songs and we just did what we did we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> and um and you know and i you know as a 27 year old you know i'm pretty confident thinking i can do anything and so i said yeah so uh we went up to phil's place and started rehearsing and phil is a virtuoso mm-hmm. phil starts playing these songs and he says, okay, the riff is this. I see, he says, it's easy. One try, I'll show you one more time. And I'm going, I'm going to do, do. He goes, oh, you, you get it. Jerry, stop playing. And he says, you know anything in 7 8? And Jerry looks at me like, Jerry's 24, you know? And it's like, we we at that point i think both of us realized what have we gotten ourselves into <laughs> so um we started working with them slowly piecing it together um we were not the professional guys that he was used to playing with those jazz players that just he immediately could just get up and do his thing with so we were just jerry and i were just a straight up funky rock band rhythm section and finally when we all started to blend we went out he said it reminded him of glass harp and that comforted us because 
glass harp. I love glass harp. And that's what we that's sounded like. That's the ultimate like, compliment real... for, that's great. Yeah. And he still, to this day, as far as I know, says that we were the best rhythm section he ever had. Wow. And he's a huge, he's a huge Kings X fan and he's seen us play a couple of times. Oh, so that's, he's a, always, that's, that's super cool. Well, yeah, he loves us. I, I mean, um, uh, what's the song? Remember Sunday School? Absolutely. That's on Flipside. Think about King's X. Yeah, I, I hear. Yeah, era. that's good. You know, he that's that's Phil okay. Cage, and, and and you know, even when Ty does a, a warm up, like when somebody says, you know, uh, Ty, give me give me a guitar. I need need your lead tone. He'll play a Phil Cage. He always does a Phil Cage lick. <laughs> that's awesome. It's so beautiful. He's got it down pat. That's so cool. But yeah, that's how that's how we met Ty. Ty saw us play with Phil Cage, and then Ty played with jerry in another project in college and i played with jerry uh with another guy after we left phil and all of a sudden somehow we all kind of ran into each other and started playing together La- last keggy question you got credit on the liner notes for just a moment away which is on that did you yeah. did you help write that yes i remember uh it was the night his child was born his wife was nine months yeah. pregnant and we had just finished rehearsing I think we had just finished rehearsing or I'd come up to town for a while and stopped by to say hey to him. It was somewhere in that time. Um, and he was working on a song. Hey, man, help me with this song. And so I made a, I came up with the, the, the chorus. That's awesome. And the bridge, I think. Um, we uh, He just sat down and started playing. He, when I'd go hang out with Phil, he would just pick his acoustic guitar up and just play it 24 hours a day. And we'd talk and he'd be playing his guitar all the time. He could just do it mindlessly. And any song he could think of, he could play it. And it, it, it was just crazy how good he was. And um, so he was just sitting there playing and we just started writing the song. And I remember we got down around midnight and I says, hey, it's late. I got to go. And I was going back over to my aunt's house in Kansas City where I would stay at when I'd come up to, to visit him or to rehearse with him. And um, uh, then the next day I texted him to to uh, see what he thought of the song. I didn't hear from him. Didn't hear from him for like weeks. And I thought, wow, I was real confused. Found out uh, his wife went into labor that night, and it was oh. her. It was her first. It was the first child that survived. Mm-hmm. She yeah. had a few ones that didn't. So yep. it's a very big deal, and so uh, it's awesome. Wow, um, a long time ago, a long time <laughs> ago. Wow. All right, I've got a his qu- kid. You know, you know, Phil Keggy's kid got. A, I think his band got a Grammy for something in the Christian world. Really, it's pretty cool. Yeah, his son's a guitar player. Wow. Fantastic. What footsteps to follow in? My goodness. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got a question I've wanted to ask you for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. I hope you're ready. Uh, <laughs> so writing, <laughs> writing for King's X, uh, you guys mm-hmm. have a unique situation in that you have, you have two guys who sort of carry vocal duties between you and Ty. Um, writing for King's X, how does that work um, as far as, you know, there's some songs like, I, I think especially of like the Mr. Bulbous record, uh, you have songs mm-hmm. like Marshmallow Field, uh, mm-hmm. when you're scared, where literally, mm-hmm. you know, mid verse lead vocal is changing from one guy to mm-hmm. the other. How does that work? Uh, as far as the writing end and like, mm-hmm. I, was, I almost, I almost wondered if on a couple of those songs, it sounds like it could have even been a thing where you guys went to two separate rooms and wrote two separate lines and then just <laughs> came together. How'd that work? 
<laughs> well, we didn't go to two separate rooms, but we do have a tendency to write two separate lines to comp to to complement each other. It's that whole thing of when when uh, Paul McCartney said uh, "getting better all the time," <laughs> and John Lennon said "couldn't get much worse." We've always, we've always, we've always, I think from day one had that philosophy. It was kind of unwritten. And, um, and it's as poets, I think we like that abstract kind of thing that kind of throws you off from being so obvious. But, uh, that I don't think that we've sat down and talked about it. I just think we gravitate to that. All three of us do. Gotcha. Cause that's the kind of music we like. Um, but the other thing is about who chooses what in the beginning, Ty and Jerry really never expressed really wanting to sing in the band ever. Jerry didn't want to do it at all. <laughs> Ty, um, in the early days, I wrote all the songs in the first year or two, and then Ty wrote a couple because, uh, you know, it's time. You know, I mean, he wrote two, but I was always pumping out songs, and finally he just said, hey, I write songs too, and I'm cool. <laughs> all right, bring them on in, you know. I didn't realize I was being such a control freak, I guess. I don't know. But uh, so he started bringing songs in, and he would sing them. Or I, or I remember I sang and he wanted me to sing them. And then it got to a point where I said, why don't you sing this one? You know, cause I liked his voice and, um, Ty, I don't think ever really expressed liking to sing. He's one of those guys that he'd rather have somebody else singing. Um, but when Sam started working with us, um, Sam said, no, everybody's got to sing. Now, before Sam started working with us, we, Ty and I did do harmonies. He loved to do harmonies with me. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have demos where, uh, and songs where he did harmonies. And when Kirk, our other guitar players with us, we did three bar harmonies. It was a lot of fun. But when we got to King's X, um, we weren't paying attention to harmonies or even focusing on that. We were just focusing on trying to write a good song and get a record deal. And we were kind of lost in limbo and writing crappy songs and trying to write a hit song and not knowing what we're doing. This is like 87, 88, you know. And uh, Sam came along. And first thing he said after he said, look, I'm going to work with you guys. And he says, sure. And he says, first thing he said is everybody singing. I don't care. No excuses. <laughs> and Jerry goes, I don't want to sing. And Sam said, no, everybody's singing. And so that's where it started. And um, Sam and Ty and Jerry all love the thing with uh, the Beatles where they switched off vocals and did their harmonies together and how they did those. that They had that sound. Yeah, and Sam knew that. Sam knew that. Ty and Jerry knew that too. I didn't care. I was. <laughs> I just wanted to sing like Aretha Franklin and rock <laughs> out, you know. And um, but uh, I know that my harmonies, the songs that I wrote, my harmonies were always Beatlesque because through osmosis, I think everybody in the world could sing Beatles songs without remembering where they learned them or how they learned them yeah. you know they've we just, just always if been. <laughs> they've always been if you're anything if you know anything about music you it always turns your ear because they were the the masters at it you know so uh, i never was a Beatles fan but they influenced me in more ways than i can i even know hmm. uh so and, and as a result of it and, and Jerry and Ty, well, that, that's their favorite band in the world. And Sam Taylor, too. The Beatles, there is no other band higher than those three, ba- that band with Ty, Jerry, and Sam at the time. So, of course, 
are, we're going to sound like the Beatles. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of quick ones. We'll rapid fire yeah, past you and let you do your thing. Out, and I'll try to give you a quick answer. No, you're great. Your answer's <laughs> perfect. You take as much time as you want. So one quick thing i got to touch on. Junior's Gone Wild from one of the greatest movies all time, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Are you psyched about the new Bill and Ted coming out? You know, I thought about that, and I'm thinking, how can we get another song on there? Right, and there we go. <laughs> and I thought, it'll just be a flop like the last one. Dude, the first... <laughs> The first soundtrack sold 12 million copies, right? Yeah. So when we got the chance to get our song on the second yeah. one, I'm thinking, <laughs> Cha-ching. finally, we're going to, this is going to change. Cha-ching, <laughs> people are going to hear about us. That record didn't sell about a million copies. Man. And I remember, I remember we, all three of us went to the movie because, you know, they put the songs in the movie. Yeah. Sure. And here comes this red Corvette flying down the highway with a camera on a mountainside with his little car going down. And all you hear was in a transistor radio tone. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and you're like, and Come that's on. all you heard. It was like they took a, a, a megaphone. <laughs> and we looked at each other and went, that's it? And then at the end of the movie, we're going, okay, credits, King's X. You know, up it says King's X. Uh, band member, oh, songs written by uh, Jerry Gaskill, Doug Pinnock, and Ty Taylor. Oh, oh no! Oh, on no. the movie! Oh, my In goodness. the movie! <laughs> Poor Ty. Okay. Oh, my God. So, okay. Ty Taylor. Ty Taylor. And, and we walked out the door going, are you kidding me? Oh, man. And so, and, um, so, and, and, and a quick story behind that, too, was Junior was one of the contenders for Gretchen. And okay. as yeah, far it's not as, on an as album as, anywhere. Well, here it was. I, that was one of the batch. That was in the batch of songs I wrote for Gretchen, and that was a Passover song. I wrote about twenty songs, and I write a lot of songs. And they'll pick five or six of my tunes. They'll pick five or six of Jerry ties, and 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 every now and then Jerry will throw one in. You know, because Jerry just didn't write much. Jerry felt like we didn't like his songs. We he didn't <laughs> understand, you know. But uh, that we love him and love his songs. But um, so as a result of it, that was one song that got passed over, and it, it hurt me because I, it was one of my favorite songs in that batch of songs for Gretchen. And I thought this song will never get heard now. And when we were in New York, or we were in Paris with ACDC on tour. We had a day off. And Sam comes in and says, Atlantic wants a song for Bill and Ted 2. And I'm going, really? And he says, what are we going to give him? What do we got? What are we going to do? He says, we're going to go in the studio in Paris and do Junior. He said, I booked the, booked the day. Our day off in Paris, France, we did Junior. Nobody in that place spoke English. <laughs> it was awesome. That's cool. We did Junior. And they mixed it. And sent it to Atlantic that day, and we got on the tour bus and took off to wow. Spain or wherever we were going. Man, never forget it. And that's why at the end of it, where I'm yelling, I, my my voice was so hoarse from singing that song because I wanted to sing it smooth and clear, and my voice is so hard that I yelled the whole song. And at the end, I just went because ah! I couldn't get notes out anymore, and and Sam left it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk really quick about your solo projects because yeah. I want to get a chance for you to also talk oh, about the, the yeah. new album that's coming out. So obviously, Pound Pound, yeah. we got to talk mm -hmm. on. My favorite songs are Jangle and Super Salad, just throwing it out there. I, I, I didn't have Pineapple Skunk, full disclosure, I didn't have that one. Um, but on the third solo album, uh, Emotional Animal, mm -hmm. how cool was it to play with Joey Gaskell? That's Jerry's son, right? Yeah, it, it was... Um 
It was an experience. I've known his son all his <laughs> life. I've known his son all his life. I've walked him on the ceiling as a baby, changed his <laughs> diapers. So, so we had fun doing it. And, um, you know, when you're close to family like that, you know, and you got to put people in their place when they're young, <laughs> you know, there was, there, there were those times when you go, dude, if you, if you can't play the click, how you think you're going to make it yeah. right. in the yeah. rock world and go, you know, get up off your and then he comes in the next day and nails it. <laughs> so it was like, that was what was with him. It was fun because he had never really, really done anything even closely professional before. And I didn't consider myself actually professional. He was, it was my garage drum room that I just <laughs> threw together. So, Well, it sounds, <sighs> it sounds good. We do Thank want you, you to get to talk about the new project yeah. that's coming out. Take a yeah. second and, and pitch that a little bit. Okay, well, I'm working on it right now. I got, well, listen, I wrote about 30 songs for the new Kings. Goodness gracious. Wow. Okay, and I've got seven on the new King's X record, and I have all these songs left over and that were still unfinished, so I just kept working on them. And I've got 13 songs for the new record. I've got eight more that uh, need vocals, but I could go work on them, but I think I'm just going to stop in and hone in on these 13 for this new record that I'm doing for... Uh, uh, Rat Pack. Have you? And uh, we haven't. Have you got a name? We haven't for talked it? about a date yet. Have you got a name? Um, for it? I want to give you the name, oh, but save it. I'm it's not fine. supposed to yet okay. <laughs> because well, see what happens is Joe at Rat Pack. He told me that when you say the name of it, then he says when when it's broadcast, he said there's a lot of bootleggers out there that are listening, and they would they would they would put out pre uh, pre orders oh, okay. of Doug Pinnock's new album called So and So and blah blah blah, and you know, and he said that oh, I've learned so much about cyber stealing now <laughs> when putting records out of this i remember before you just sent tapes out to everybody and if something got leaked oh it wasn't too bad you know <laughs> it didn't matter you know now it's like if something gets leaked it's on youtube and the record's over yeah. nobody's gonna buy it wow. you know it's done so that secretiveness okay. of it but um I, i'm real excited about it um i've been i'm almost 70 i'll be 70 in two months no and way. i've been wow. right I've been writing songs since I was 18 and I always figure if you do something long enough, it's, you're going to get good at it sooner or later. Practice makes perfect, don't it? So, you know, I've always, you know, I, as a songwriter, I, I can appreciate my songs as what they are, but I've never considered them great songs that, that were worthy of the world to go. Now that is a good song and everybody knows it and, and said it. And, um, but I know that to, 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 if you're going to be a good songwriter, a lifelong songwriter, you know, that has to be your goal. And hopefully you never get it because if you find that song, you got nowhere to go mm. after that. All you just become a, a character to yourself, or then you you're lost and you just start throwing crap together to try to come up with something that ain't cool <laughs> right. no more, you know. And and I didn't. Uh, all my peers, I tell you, almost all of them that I that they're my age and older that I grew up listening to that that molded me and taught me how to do what I do. Their music starts to get crappier and crappier later on and then they all of a sudden they're putting these records out are like you know you're old you sound old and you're not in touch and you're trying to be cool and you ain't <laughs> anymore and 
So I rattle, I wrestle with that daily with this record. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that, you know, and I have a phobia about it because, you know, like I said, I used to always say, you know, my favorite bands, they put out a couple great records. And after that, it's like, it's just, to me, I just don't get it. Every now and then they get a, get a boost. But like when Yes put out Roundabout, then it was like the rest of the records were great. But then all of a sudden they had Relay, no, no, what was it? Uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart, that record came out. And it was like, what happened? You know, after five records, you know, that they did that to me. But I'm so picky with musicians and writing and bands and, and, and all that stuff that, I'm not very easy on people and bands. So I'm not easy on myself. So this solo record, I'm really, really trying real hard to make it the best thing I've ever done and to walk away going, you did the best you could and be proud of it instead of going, okay, let's get this one done and go to the next one, see if I can get it. <laughs> you know, and, you know, as for, and, and oh, and the thing about, a record going like selling millions and millions of records that ain't gonna happen anymore so right. so i don't i don't have to worry about that um but um well you can rest assured I'm, that you I'm, have support from me and rob we're absolutely. gonna pick it up and we love yeah. everything I, you've done I, so we'll be there with I, you i can't yeah. wait to, for you to hear it it's all about old man getting old you know <laughs> One one last question that we ask everybody, and uh-huh. then we'll let you enjoy your day. Um, so this last mm-hmm. one, um, so you're on tour, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station mm-hmm. snack food of choice? What does Doug Pennant get in a gas station? And while you're thinking on it, I'll give you mine. I get a Three Musketeers bar. Whenever I was growing up, okay. my mom would say you could get any candy bar you want, and that's the most mm-hmm. ounces, so I would get the biggest candy mm-hmm. bar for the money. What is your snack food of choice in a gas station? Okay. There's two because at a gas station, when, you, when you're on the road, there is nothing in there I want. Okay. Because it's all, it's all poison. So it's easy. <laughs> Two things, and this might be gross, is um, um, uh, uh, ice cream sandwiches. Okay, there we go. That's a new I, one. I, I, will, I will get three of them and try to get all of them done before the last one melts. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, 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 and they all look at me like, oh, my God, Doug, I can't believe you're eating that. <laughs> And I go, I love these things. And I only, that only happens on, on, you know, when we're on the road and we pull off at a gas station. The other thing is those wings that okay. those dried up wings have been sitting there for like hours and hours <laughs> under that heat lamp. They're just almost, almost like beef jerky. They're yeah, just good. almost getting there. I said, give them all to me. They got made right, made right after the sausage biscuits and it's 11 o'clock <laughs> oh, at night yeah. and they're just sitting there. Oh yeah. And I'll just munch on them things and I'm going, oh good. You know, then I take my fiber pills and I'm <laughs> Well, come visit Tennessee. We'll get you some crappy chicken wings and some ice cream sandwiches and we'll hang out. We'll make a. Make I don't. A day I'm, I'm getting some barbecue when I come to Tennessee. There you go. True. We'll take True. it. That yeah. sounds good. Well, Doug, man, Guys, thank you thanks. so much. This has been outstanding. You're welcome. We've. It's been a real <laughs> honor to talk to you, man. Uh, we wish all the best for you coming. Everything coming down the pike, and uh, thank, thank you so you, much, Doug. man. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ooh. Well, there you have it. We made it. <laughs> That's listen. Even I'm tired after that one. I don't know if I can sit through this whole episode at once. Um, but uh, but we thank you guys for joining us. If you're driving somewhere, or uh, you know, I know people who routinely their thing is they listen to us while they go run, or they listen. If you're to hiking us on, Everest, 
Yeah, just, or if they're on you know, like on road trips, uh-huh. if I know I got, they'll just they'll just binge the show, and uh, I just love it. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode. And if you didn't, you know what? Come back next week. It'll, It'll be back be to different. normal. This one's for us. That's right. This, this is for me and you, JP. Cheers to you, buddy. Absolutely. I can't believe we get to do this. Great idea. A lot and, of fun. Uh, we're we're going on four years now. Uh, that, 150 uh, episodes. Man, incredible. And so, dude, we're not stopping. We got so much in the cooker. Good night. You guys no. don't know what's coming down the pipeline. So here's to the next 150. We'll be back next week with another great song on the Great Song Podcast. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. What if you're like, oh, I forgot to hit record. Yeah. <laughs>